Welcome to TCP episode 238, the episode where we could be talking about the games that just happened in the kickoff clash, but there's drama. Oh. You know what? Because we're a TMZ style show, we're going to talk about the drama <laughs> instead. Um, because who really cares about Overwatch at the end of the day? We're all here for the drama. We're all here to find out who left what team and why, who got cut, who's joined what team. The results don't matter. It's just really about who's there. It's kind of like you know, Overwatch League Survivor. It's kind of <laughs> like you know when you get into the 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 kind of lifestyle drama about like who's mm. marrying who yeah. and who's cheating on who. Yeah, but you don't really care beyond that. Like you just you just want the instant hit of drama and that and that's it. Um, like in Human Code. And the reason why we're doing this is blame the consumers. The consumers are at <laughs> fault because they want this. Um, fuck the consumers. This is their fault. So he means you guys. But, you. <laughs> if you actually want to hear about Overwatch, you can uh, go down to the description where you'll realize two hours later we'll start talking about the kickoff clash. Yep. But for the first two hours, we're just going to be talking about pointless drama that you shouldn't care about, but um, unfortunately, too many people do care about. It, so we're going to talk about it. And um. Giska's also going to add fuel to the fire because he's got a gasoline tank next to him and he wants to douse, he wants to douse some shit. He wants to get into it. I've been mixing that Agent Orange all morning, man. It's, it's, it's not good. I, I let hated, hatred into my heart. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You need, you need to follow esports, Yoda, man. You know, B1 Renekton and picking Sombra is... You know, fear and fear leads to the dark side of the force. And okay. you, my can friend, you, can you do it in the voice? What do you want me to say? Either of those two statements you just said. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to like reverse it. Uh, Be one rejected, you shall not. Sombra, on control, you must not. <laughs> Picking such leads to fear. Fear leads to the dark side of the force. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at this. Like, did you just do that on spot? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. That's impressive. That is legitimately impressive. Joe has is a mean like voice actor. Like (laughs) his impressions are nuts. No, no, no. Always have been. This the lore. The lore behind this is that Kenobi and a group of friends and I um we're up at like 5 a.m goblin hours and we just thought like esports i think we were watching worlds at the time and we just thought esports yoda would be the funniest parody account where you take esports jargon and you just reverse it to like make it sound like yoda would say it and like yeah at the time like people were like b wanting renekton and we were just like b1 renekton mm, careful you must be that's way too accurate like I, here's, here's the thing is like I, I wasn't even watching. I was too busy trying to crop my, my KDG <laughs> yeah, background. And I was too busy <laughs> focusing on that. And so I, I wasn't looking at Joe. I was just listening. And it sounded like Joe's got another person in his room. Mm. And he's just like, oh, you, you're the Yoda voice guy. We're just going to get you and just put the mic into his face. Or like, yeah, it's just on retainer. Maybe just phoned him up. I don't know. Um, or he's got a soundboard. He's got, he's got the mm. perfect, like, Yoda, you got the AI generated uh, like voice yeah, AI text. generated voice yeah. where like it's it's AI learning Yoda, but you can just do you just typed in the sentence and it just said, it just said the thing. Mm. But no, it's actually Joe because I saw Joe's voice move. That or he's a great ventriloquist, but he's he's the puppet, you know. Um, he is both the puppet and the speaker at the same time. That would so. mean there has to be a hand on my ass, and according to Yiska's lore of me, I wouldn't let that fly. I don't no, know. That's impossible for him. 
Uh, somebody's, somebody's hand is always up somebody's ass because everyone's a mouthpiece at the end of the day. Everyone's a mouthpiece. Right. For Speaking of Toronto. Right, we're gonna be, <laughs> I'm going to be the mouthpiece of uh, the Toronto Defiant right now. And specifically, here's what they said. Today we say goodbye. Okay, but first of all, before we get into that, episode 238 is brought to you by Avila Vista Bebe, Battlecrab, Refined Bean, Bronze Babuha, Chare. Philadelphia is more of a stage two team anyway. Chris R34444. That wasn't even a follow. I just wanted to say that. Um, Cash67, Motion, Porkchop Sammy, Rick Zane, Volumel Smooth Nuts in Your Misery. Uh, and also the YouTube members, Ice Hammer Jello, William Jesse, Vishmam, Fire Element 6, AK, and Chris R. Again. Thank you, thank you. Um, so here's uh, what I'm going to do I'm going to read out the tweet. I'm going to go get my McDonald's. Are you guys going to talk about it? Right. Today we say goodbye to KDG. The past year and a bit are filled with memories of your dedicated and passionate leadership. Thank you for everything, Dongun. We wish you the best luck in all your future endeavors. And then let me get the uh, Adam Adamu tweet as well, because you have to. Because you just must. <sighs> Here we go. And he says, I should have prepped this earlier. I have to do a bit of scrolling down. He says, such an incredibly talented coach. We take every personal decision seriously. It's never easy. It shouldn't be. Thank you for everything, KDG. Moby Dick will be stepping in as interim head coach. I have the utmost confidence in the team. Can't wait for midseason madness. Let's start with that first sentence. Such an incredibly talented coach, mm. but not for the Define, apparently. All right, nope. let me get my McDonald's. Love, I love <laughs> when teams do that because they feel like they have to, right? Like you feel like you need to PR yeah. and like big, you don't want to disparage anybody. I get it, but like you're not. I wonder who you're fooling. It's, I shouldn't say you're not fooling anybody. It's it's the best, dude. It's somebody. like he's the most pristine person you've ever known. Her perfect yes. genetic code, actually mm -hmm. the most excellent flex support that one could wish for, but apparently not enough in order to employ yeah. them. You know can't that be, that's always enough. like not for us. <laughs> I mean, okay, what this does say, um. as we know from the school of. Uh, professional organizations and uh, presidents of gaming is that there is a difference in any juice, any juice? about uh, mm -hmm. how <laughs> how this is perceived right or how this yeah. is vocalized now does this to you say something egregious happened internally um, that if it was to come out this would reflect badly on the people that have given him have been giving him this laurels and whatnot Based on that, nice. we can pretty much assume everything has uh, come above board. The most logical conclusion here is that KDG has no longer... Um, what's, this, what's the phrase that you... Describe it. It's like a, in Germany, we have like... They are no longer reaching the player. You know? In okay, terms of yeah. like their message and their general like cultural impact. And yes, to be yes. fair, very often in uh, in sports, at least from uh, from my Bundesliga background, it's like you get a new coach in, he has a new um, sort of approach, and then mm -hmm. it actually can like really significantly change uh, how the team plays, right? He has a very often like a honeymoon phase based on a new... Um, I struggle to say ideology. It's not an ideology. It's more like a culture, a cultural shift, sure. right? So... Yeah. <clears throat> I think this is most likely what happened here, right? Like they they looked at the um, maybe there was something with 
the internal struggles that we had heard of. Maybe there was mm-hmm. also, we have to fairly say, this is the team that will be hosting a, an offline tournament. They do not want to jeopardize the chance that they won't be there. Of course. Yeah. Right? Holy so, shit, can you imagine? So they gotta maximize Whoa. their chances in order to make it, right? And from a competitive standpoint, I mean, the Defiant didn't have a terrible uh, stage record. Um, didn't go far in the tournaments, certainly, right? I think based on what this orc has communicated and what this orc has um, spent and invested... I think they just have to ask for more. And I think that's a reasonable point. Now, is it a good... In that, somebody put a pin in that. I have big things to ask you on that. But go ahead. Right. Continue. I don't want to interrupt. Now, I feel like it is a, an, an interesting and hard move in the sense that what are you doing now? Is there a better option? Right? Right. right. Because like, if you had options as to... like legitimately keep him and there's no lack of absolute trust where the system's completely broke down which i don't don't assume happened here mm-hmm. uh considering they played another week then i have to question like okay so you made a value estimation and now you're going with moby dick as the interim head coach by the way i think moby dick in the past had been offered uh head coach positions is very much a person described to me as like very smart about the game but specifically very smart at possible you know like people sort of frame the ability to soft coaches like in different tiers and we we like to over exaggerate but like what people have told me is moby is like a genius as at getting complex ideas over to the player right he's not necessarily the absolute mastermind in creating these strategies there you would probably need someone else but there's always just sometimes for instance probably little known fact i would say for some teams there's always someone that is just like hyper nerding out about macro and micro strategy and probably like in their mind is so far away from the player experience that you need the translator between them translator as in like uh, game theory translator, not language. Mm-hmm. So Moby Dick excels at that. And arguably, I would say that's a great thing for a head coach to be. I'm not sure about his ability to manage a culture and especially one where you would have to agree the pressure is on now. Um, sure. Also where there are a, a certain difference in like hyper-veteran players like Twilight and hyper-rookie players like Chirong, for instance. So it's not the most easy um, team to navigate. It's a big task. I think with Moby, they have a good guy as an interim head coach. There's also nobody else available that could step into that uh, head coach position. What are you going to do? Buy out Moon? You're not going. (laughs) You know, there's no no way. Um, Legitimately just... I'll let pay in a second, but yeah. (laughs) He He just needs a translator. Just needs a translator, sorry. Yeah, no, he's not going to do that. Um, So... It's hard to find a replacement, and still they went with this. And then again, this probably just speaks to the confidence they have in Moby. At the same time, at an, as an assistant coach, how much impact did you already have? Or is that legitimately now a case where this guy can uh, roll with his own strategy, how he would approach this? Right. We have to see. 
I'm mildly skeptical about this move. I don't specifically know all the circumstances internally that happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to my understanding, it's not extraordinarily different from what happens behind closed doors in every team. We just didn't don't sure. get to know it because, let's be honest, some of that should not be in public either. Um, Agreed. Arguable if that should have been the case here. So we, I think we do well in contextualizing it that way, um, mm-hmm. that this is just not that out of the ordinary. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, like this situation is a complex one for sure. It's a hard one, but will ultimately just be decided by the, the results. And this team definitely needs to qualify for its own homestand. It definitely needs to be able to run deeper playoff runs um, for for their own um, desire or like what this team was created to do. Sure. And I, I think given the high high competitiveness in this region, it's going to be rough. Because, like, if you run down a bracket of eight teams and whatnot, even, mm-hmm. like, inter- at the international level, bro, like, we now have, like, with Atlanta once again being up, you have a bunch of at least four teams that are top tier in NA, I would argue. Yep. And then you have, like, probably three teams in Asia that are top tier, at least. And then you got to slot in somewhere and you still haven't, you know, like proven to be able to beat teams like Houston, teams like um, who, who, Florida, teams like sure. um, even the Justice on their best days, right? Like you, mm-hmm. can, you can win one game against them. It's still a struggle, right? Like you're not clearly a league above them. So they have that work cut out for him. And I think also two coaches, probably not enough. I hope they get another uh, brain in. Um, but And we, we will have to talk about brains in the Overwatch League uh, regarding the tournament with us eventually because I think there's, there's a big just uncovered area about who's actually responsible for results. And spoiler alert, it's not just the funny man with the mullet and the mustache. I mean, he did come out with the heat, I will say. Uh, props on her. To your point, because I did, I did want to follow up on something you, you said, because I'm not sure maybe it was worded right. But are you saying that you, you're you asking Toronto to give more? No. Are, you, are you saying that they need more resources? <clears throat> okay. okay. I, I don't think they need more resources. Mm-hmm. I think... Depending on what the situation is with visa acquisition. Sure. Maybe they need some moves. Um, I think it's totally fair for a new head coach to say some players don't fit my idea of the game anymore. Therefore, I need new agents. And maybe if some become available or the visa situation clears up or something like this happens, it's totally fair. Where do I see the need for that for the defined? Probably in the DPS department. I think one additional DPS player could help. Um, okay. Yeah. Dude, I mean, leave I, was available. Leave was available. <laughs> we, hey, Toronto, you know, 
He was on our shirt. And list. you know what? It, it would take you a long ass time to get him, but he might be able to get there just as you go into your own homestead. Maybe. Maybe. Just barely. Yeah. I. You they can't me... get anybody, by the way. They can't get anybody anymore, by no, the way, because if they, they're going to have to get, they're going to have to get a Korean player, and it's going to take a while. By the way, do we ha even have a uh, roster construction limit? Like, do we have a deadline by which time rosters need to be built this year? Because this wasn't communicated to us, right? Presumably, no. Presumably, you can just like keep building your roster until playoffs, right? I would imagine that's the case, just because it is like beta Overwatch 2. Like, it is so new. They want to give teams as much leeway as possible to try and build in or, or make the most competitive team. Like, they don't want to just cap people. Oh. I would guess as much, but yeah, I don't remember anything being communicated personally. But with Toronto, like, am I off base in saying this is one of the most frustrating teams in the league to, like, deal with or, or just, like, have orbit us? It's very clear that they try to improve. That's, that's the one positive thing yeah. I will give this franchise is they always try to improve and make changes. Yeah. Without a doubt, they take the cake in terms of, like, yeah. trying. They try. Yeah. I, you you got to give them that. However... And, and correct the record if I am wrong, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle down the list. I don't have Liquipedia up. I'm just going to try and do it from memory, right? You start, do, do they not open with like Bishop, right? Bishop is head coach, that whole scheme, and it fucking, it, it, it tanks immediately almost. He's out. They move into a different head coach. Then they go like split Western. Then those coaches go out. Then they go like mixed Korean. That, that doesn't work. And then they have like Surefour come in, and that doesn't work. I'm sorry, just trying isn't working anymore. You, you've, made, you've made numerous coaching moves. None of it seems to have given you tangible results for the most part. I have a hot take. Changyun's next destination is the Defiant. <laughs> you know, like, like, that's the problem that you can even enter... Okay, you're not seriously yeah. entertaining that. But I could see that. And that yeah. sucks. <laughs> that's the issue, right? That's the problem. There is a, I, I feel like there is a constant here and it is someone in decision-making power that is making bad decisions. Yeah. I'm sorry. When you have, what we're on our 2017, 2018, fourth year, fifth year in the Overwatch League and you have, granted, that's not the same for the Toronto Defiant because they came in later, but I'm sorry. It's, you ready we've for seen the stats? teams turn it around. Go ahead. Yeah. Hit me with stats. Okay. Toronto Defined is placed third in uh, roster changes. So just the amount of players that they have signed. They are yeah. an expansion team, dude. Yep. They didn't they have switch a, they have regions. one less year. Yep. They just play, like, they ju just try to exist as a team in the Overwatch League, making moves in order to get better. And they're just, like, wildly flailing around. And I will say, like, if you look at it, right? Like, they have invested in rookies. Yep. Those don't work out. These rookies then, I'm thinking of Ivy. Ivy goes to Fusion, instantly has a great year. Okay. Uh, what do we do with if uh, Ivy has a great year? Okay. That, that coach that coached Ivy is probably pretty good. Let's get that guy in. The thing is, like, it never seems to me anymore anyway. And I understand mm. that the feedback loops they have gotten 
is is hard to judge because like on one hand they went into rookies. Okay, that didn't work out. And then they went into westerners. That didn't work out. Probably also because the talent wasn't there or they couldn't uh, reach critical mass, internal struggles, whatnot, right? Then they go into veteran players, but players that are arguably past their prime, not, you know, like at best, they, they recruited a team, probably not even of the best players, but like the best yeah. players lacking of the team that was the best in NA for, in terms of season record. Mm -hmm. Bought the less impressive pieces plus the coach, and then then are confused when this is a mid-tier team when you don't have guys like Alarm in there or Kape. Mm -hmm. And also everyone else improved. Yep. Right? Like, just by being as good as Season 3 Fusion, if they had just stayed the same, they would have probably been a top 5 team, not top 1 in terms of regular season record. Now you remove the other uh, uh, aspects of fusion. How could you ever expect anything but mid-tier? That's just what, what's happening there. Okay, you take that as a baseline. Bro, I'm sorry, Hisu is not a franchise player. He's not good no. enough. He's not. Chirong is a franchise player. That, I, I, I can see that. Problem is, this, is, this game is st still looks to be very DPS focused, right? Then it's not just about the quality sure. of the players. It's also a certain disjointedness on the server, right? Like where, where they can't bring it together. Then you have a guy that overperforms his projected abilities in finale. And then you don't play that guy. Okay, maybe there's a reason that we don't know. Probably a good idea to communicate that, right? It's KDG. It's definitely KDG. <laughs> so, I don't know. The It's an optics thing for sure, but it's also like you just look at the numbers. You just look at the placements, and it's not satisfying for a team of that no. desire to be where they are. And I think what they need is like a lucky break. They just need one player or two that can just break the mold oh. and inspire confidence for more. They need a lucky braid with finding a good coach. Theoretically speaking, I feel like Chirong is there. I feel like um, Moby Dick is there. There's potential there. Like that is the there, stuff there that I would pull the There always potential. They always have potential. The issue that I have is that like, that's exactly what they're looking for. And you know, I, I feel like this is like not very obvious. But, like, it is a theme throughout this entire franchise is that they're always looking for that lucky break. They're always looking for, like, the next talent, the next piece. You know, it can't be. I refuse to believe that this entire league is based on lucky strikes and that the Dallas Fuel has somehow randomly pulled Rush out of a gotcha fucking machine. And Shanghai has just ended up with Moon just on the roll of the dice, right? I'm sorry. That's just not the case. Chengdu. Like, there are just good coaches out there that you have to compete for. And it doesn't seem like Toronto has the people in charge to actually identify and compete for those people. I mean, that's also and, fair. And, I and think... one of them went to the other Canadian team. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I if, uh, yes, agreed. In a vacuum, you would want somebody yeah. like to pay. It just, uh, yeah, no, no. obviously. So what you actually want is a general manager like, uh, for instance, Brenda from the Glads. 
who sure. is always uh, like on the ball, despite like what. It, it, here's the issue: the only reason or the only way that people knew, know of Brenda's existence is because of the the pay drama. Now, if you talk to anyone in the Overwatch League, they will tell you Brenda does an immaculate job and like ha has everything under control there, right? Someone like this, I feel like, is um, is a missing piece now. Also, probably someone that the ownership can tr trust enough to just leave be and just yes. do their job, right? Like, just get out of the locker room. Yes, unironically. I'm going to say that I think the, now that I finished eating, I could finally talk. Um, the move to maybe remove KDG and have Moby Dick take the charge could be a break. I mean, it's an opportunity for a break. I'm not saying sure. like it will be the answer. I feel like it's too easy to just hand wave it as well and be like, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's what they needed. Um, without really getting to, without really understanding what went on inside. And likely we never will really understand it unless a player wants to just come out and Drop yeah, all the info, but that's logics, probably not going to happen, right? Hit, hit the line, boy. Um, well, that's the other thing, right? Logic seemed to be pretty pleased. He's like, finally, KDG's yeah. gone. Um, based on reports, and whether you whether you think Halo was accurate or not, uh, Muse basically came out and confirmed at least a couple of things, one of which being that he was having issues with KDG. Probably was the case at Finale. You'd assume that Finale probably was also having some issues there. Probably. Um, the whole trade request thing, I think we can just like look past it now. It's like it that ends up being a he said she said situation. What we do know yeah. is that there were issues between KDG and some players. And that even if if you want to read into what logic says, you can maybe even extend that into last year's players as well. So sure. I don't know if it's an ongoing thing, but I mean You know yeah, Adam Adamu comes back from the Toronto Ultraland and just Bins KDG in the next day, so I mean, like, yeah, what something is going down with. To be fair, I, I think I think the the benefit of doubt I'll give Toronto is, you know, they they being well, it could could be Adam Adama, could be the rest of the management, could be hmm. everybody really is. They're not satisfied with where the team is, and yeah, changes the game made. KDG's been given ample opportunity. I feel I feel like the the roster is also capable. It's capable of doing much better than it currently has. Mm -hmm. Um, and if there's internal issues going inside, and you know there's there's been issues where players and KDG can't land on the same page. I mean, I don't know if it's bad enough that one of them has to go, but yeah. in this case, and this is a dangerous thing for me to say because I don't want to just make it generalized into one thing. But mm -hmm. in some ways, it seems like okay, well they've picked the players. You know, well we're gonna we're gonna. Keep Muse in finale, and and KDG is the problem. And he's going to have to go. Yeah. It's probably not as simple as I'm. I'm simplifying it way to way more than it probably is, but objectively, you could make that conclusion. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think you also have to, like for instance, they picked up KDG in season three, right? You know who else picked up their new head coach? Wait, is that right? Am I? I'm bullshitting. Actually, season four, right? Okay. Ooh. Uh, like, just think of how you must feel having missed on Rush. Sure, yeah. Or, like, not made the offer. Right? And, I mean, I don't... Are you saying that they didn't make the offer, or they just, like... I don't know. I'm, I'm well, saying, like... Could you, like, could you really compete with Dallas's offer, though? 
I don't know what the offer is, but exactly, I agree. And now it's making good offers. Could you I really wouldn't... compete with them? Yeah, I, I wouldn't maybe. blame anybody for not being able to compete. I, I think they could compete this year. Sure. In terms of uh, yeah, Ross, but we're talking uh, about okay. season. We're talking about season four, right? So like, I think, like in their minds, they went like, okay, Dallas gave Rush a check in order to build a good team. They instantly were top two. If KDG is a coach of the caliber of Rush, we give him some some free room to build the roster. We give him some cash. Right. And he should. Please rush us. And I think, right. like, to miss this much, it's not a satisfying situation. Like, it's totally justified, Jace, just based yes. on the competitive results, to say this is not our coach. 100%. And I don't think anybody would, would say otherwise. When you look at this team, like something has to change because it should be punching well above their weight. They should be like a consistent top eight performer. Not even a top eight performer. Like they, they should be competing with some of those like yeah, higher mid table teams. Like they should be yeah. good and they're not. Yeah. They should. Something has to change. That, like I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. I think my big conundrum with this team is that. They never have any kind of like long-term growth plan. It's yeah. just like you try something short. It doesn't work out. You've been yeah. in. What's a long-term just... growth plan? Okay. Long-term growth plan is Krusty talking to O2 and coaching players personally. A long-term growth plan is Chris Chung from uh, The Shock also like having like great relationships. Going there. straight to O2. It, a long-term growth plan is your head coach having ties <clears> with <throat> for instance someone like Padapan and being able to attract Hello. talents like that even sure. across game borders right like long time plans are so, like someone like Brad uh, making connections with AT and fostering them and giving them uh, uh, you know like a mm -hmm. a long term so plan possible to say, would it be possible to say then that they believe they had that with KDG but they just backed the wrong horse because that can happen yeah, of course. Maybe, like, hash, maybe hashtag unlucky. Maybe at the time, you look at KDG and you're thinking, okay, seems to have a pretty good uh, record behind mm -hmm. him. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the guy we can bank on. But you got unlucky. That's that that's be? possible now that like they've grown into and they have identified that they do need some sustainability over a longer period of time to actually like build a top performing team. And I think that's kind of messaged with some of the orbiting discussion around Cho Rong where it's like we need a fixture that is going to compete at the highest level which we've seen what he can do we've we've all seen what he can do he is he is that player yeah. at a role that you know I think people have discussions about but regardless it is a world-class talent um you have somebody like Twilight like there is messaging to me that says yes we have identified an issue but the removal of a coach and my concern coming into the off season, which is a far ways away, mind you, um, I need I need more to that to really buy into the idea that like Toronto management has finally got their head on straight. They have a plan internally that doesn't that isn't necessarily tied to the head coach. Maybe it was like you're saying, and maybe they got unlucky, and that's it's some of that's going to happen. But I need to see this over a longer. You know, I need to see that repeatedly messaged. Somebody like Moby Dick, I feel like is better suited to. Sure. If you're going to put your, all, your, all your eggs eggs in a basket, yeah. Um, Moby Dick almost is the complete opposite in terms of there's 
it just seems like we keep hearing about players having bad experience with KDG, and yet the opposite is true for Moby Dick, where you only hear players yes, having good experiences true. with Moby yeah. Dick. That like, could be the tie-in play- um, guy, for sure. That could, you know, build these connections. You, In order to be a top team in 2022, you need reasons for top players to join your organization that doesn't come with, like, yeah. an increase in salary. It ain't just about the money. It's not it's about true. just, yeah. like, the a- a extra like ability for you you can't you could outpay everyone and to a degree toronto define did this this offseason but mm-hmm. you also like the the hook that gets the player in isn't just the thing that gets him through the door and now he performs well the hook is also the like the magic wand that makes this p- player perform like the belief in what crusty can do is what makes the magic happen the belief in the shock system uh, around their general manager, the connections to talent esports that some others have had, the True. ability for Brad to attract talent, give them a long-term vision, like build them or get them into the culture. And yes, there's volatility there for sure, but there's a system now. There's a talent pipeline that keeps going on. Like, as, as far as I can tell, next year Sugar Free is going to be 18, you know, is there any any other place where they could end up? If if anything, their culture is so radiating, bro. The talent that ATL swatted off joining them this off season could form right. you a top five Overwatch League team. That's how yeah. good they are in terms of creating a culture that people want to play for, right? Like. I, I know you guys think like it must be the worst place because everyone is toxic and oh my god they're throwing scrims and you know like I understand that this is the no people want to play for this team because it's a mm. it's a satisfying and fun environment for top players to be there right and they get results they do and, get results and they do get and results. they do that true <clears throat> so you need something like this you need a culture that attracts talent and mo- maybe Mobile Dick is the answer but nobody else has been able to pay themselves into the upper echelon just doing that uh you and to a degree if if anything and maybe that's unfair but if anything or if any team ever got closest to that being the case it's probably the gladiators and even then we've heard last year you know when when you talk about when you talk about gladiators i remember dp having this conversation at some point um and he he mentioned that it's like it's not even as easy as just having the budget and just having money True. to throw out players because, you know, Pro- even he said for the Gladiators, it was hard to attract certain players because, you know, money wasn't always the biggest factor there. You could pay better than yeah. another team, but there were other factors that drew a player towards, an attractive player towards another team instead of his team. Let me actually retract Something that. He's record. Because the biggest magic trick in Overwatch history, probably from a Western standpoint, is getting Kefster off this continent. That was impossible yeah. for everyone. Like, it was, like, really hard to make Kefster sign a contract and then have him also travel over. The fact that they got the confidence to that point where Kefster is now, like, in front of cameras, giving interviews, being probably top five player in the Overwatch League right now, doing content and everything, that speaks to the ability of the Gladiators to do it as well. And I also don't want to discredit um, the pace uh, like role in this definitely there's mm-hmm. something uh, culturally relevant there but at the same time I will say sure 
like Gladiators had one of the top budgets always had. Yeah, okay. it's, it sounds so, like it's something you need, right? Like you do need resources, but it is it has grown outside. So right of now, Toronto have resources. Maybe not. I don't know if they have as much as uh, Dallas or Glads, but mm. they they at least can compete for top players sure. salary wise. Yeah. It just seems like maybe other factors are not as good. So <clears throat> yeah, interesting. So um, defying. I don't know if they can make too many roster improvements for the time being. No. Because this is the problem with having a full yeah. Korean roster at this stage in NA is the logistics of getting them over is always going to cause problems. Otherwise, New York would have done more by now. Um, so They'd... it's rough. They they have to kind of do they have to kind of work with what they got unless there's another NA team willing to trade a Korean player to them. Mm. The thing is, in order so, to sort of, like really quickly summarize what the problem with Toronto is, it's like. They are a team that seems to be looking at best practices in in the environment, but then not understand how that works. So, one of the bigger uh, one of the idea or things that I just thought about was, I think they purposely stayed longer in Korea. Now, any other season, this would have helped your uh, your preparation, right? Because you get the better scrims. I'm sorry, APEC, historically, better region. Sure. <laughs> this is the Classic. one season that w where that wasn't the case. And if you thought through the process of how Overwatch 2 was going to work, who was going to get Overwatch 2, why the contender scene can't help you there, how dire the, the scrim situation was be would have been, you should have gotten your team to North America ASAP, probably before the Alpha even drops, in order for them to acclimate, you know get rid of their jet lag, and then start sprinting into, uh, into scrims. And these little mm -hmm. adaptations, like them trying to find best practices, but not having anyone like in charge that really like just like looks in the distance what's coming up, what changes are there, but just trying to copy sort of these, um, these best practices from other teams while everyone else is involved, uh, evolving... I think if they can get that figured out, that's a team that's going to be scary Although, going forward. I'll be here's my counter argument for the the scrims in Asia thing, because all the NA based Korean teams were also were in APEC. Scrim quality was really high in the preseason because they all played each other. Yeah, like, but I feel like they were there longer, weren't they not? Like I think uh, I don't know about that. I think New York were the last team. I think New York were the slowest team to get over. New York feels like issues. Last team. Yeah. yeah. I knew they had the issues as well. Yeah. But like New York, Toronto, Dallas were all in Korea. I feel uh, Dallas Washington was, was in Korea. Earlier. And right. I, I can't remember the timelines. I, I, to be honest, to me, it felt like they all kind of upped and left pretty, um, yeah, I was, pretty much at the same time. I was period. told they, they purposely uh, went as late as possible. If that's not the case, also, I I know that New York was the last team. I'm I'm not yeah, yeah, essential New York was the last team, but that's not a decision that was <clears throat> um, out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, they didn't want to do that. I knew that uh, Boston was screaming career as well. So yeah. I don't know. People keep people keep this is this 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 fucking story that needs to be squashed. People are like, oh yeah, well, Boston uprising were the slowest of the scrims. They didn't start scrims till the latest. Like that's only for NA. They'd been scrimming in Korea for fucking. A while before that, guys. Yeah. Like Boston had been scrimming for a while. Just this this end this bullshit story. 
our boss is being late to scrims. No, they were not. They were scrimming in Korea the whole time. Um, <clears throat> so there was actually, yeah, yeah, a bunch of them. You had all the APAC teams and all the mm-hmm. NA-based Korean majority teams um, also in APAC. So scrim quality in Alpha was really high for that for that reason uh, in, in Asia. I, I, w- I would say much higher than in the West because you had fucking Dallas being there is just gigantic for scrim quality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to end the Toronto discussion now, as I think we've definitely reached the end of the track on this one, um, I got a lot of faith in Moby Dick. I don't know if they're going to get another coach. Maybe they'll get another coach, but at this stage, I wouldn't be surprised if Moby Dick is just going to be going from interim head coach just to head coach. He, he is just going to be the head coach. Yeah. So, and it's time. It's time for that to happen because I think True. for certain coaches, you know, the, the pathway to us between the system and the head coach, it's got to happen. It's, it's bound to happen. I mean, um, I mean, face on Gladiators had been looking for a head coach for a while as well. Mm-hmm. He was looking for a head coach position this year. And if he didn't get on the Gladiators, he might not have been on the Gladiators still. Mm-hmm. He might have he might have gone elsewhere. But he got a hit. He got, obviously, the whole DPA thing happened. Um, face got promoted. And so he got what he wanted because he became the head coach of any team, just of a team. Because that's what he wanted. Um, and I'd say off the back of that, some pretty fucking insane success, you know? First season, first stage as head coach, boom, instant tournament win. Love to see it. Yeah. Um, but moving on from that, let's talk about Dipe, because he, he got announced. Let's talk about the other Canadian team mm. and the ex LA Gladiators coach, because we've been kind of uh, dipping his name in and, in and out of conversation for a while. He has recently joined the Vancouver Times. He's been rumored as well because Halo kind of dropped that rumor. Um, and we can kind of add in the entirety of the Vancouver discussion with it, because this is also a staff members being dropped, plus a new guy coming in, although the Toronto is more like KDG dropped, but Moby Dick is still there and he's going to take over. Yeah. Here it is, Flubby and Pew, gone. Psycho the player, gone. Dipe comes in now as the new head coach. Uh, Justin, GM, still there. I feel like this is a move out of necessity, but also a smart move. Um, I'm glad to see to pay back in the league. I, as much as I question his tenure on the gladiators and wondering if, you know, that was going to lead to long-term success. Uh, I still put a lot of stock into him as a coach, as a system creator, as somebody, you know, has an eye for talent and has historically been fairly creative in developing strategies. Um, no, not just the great bamboozle. Plenty of other, you know, interesting ways that he views the game and, and messages that to his players. Um, I think that it, this is going to work out um, as much as whatever has happened with this franchise as much as you know i want to give shit to toronto um the titans also haven't really done anything right like they are completely you know you can you can get out the woeful stamp like six get total on the wins? head yeah the it's, flubby it's titans ass. had six total wins something like that three against boston, it, I, boston. yeah yeah was it three i thought it was more so Four, at least maybe? three against boston as well yeah. yeah yeah like that can't happen like it should have been probably cleaned up a while ago um but now we have DePay in charge with a team that on paper needs some improvement that has ability to improve, right? This is a mostly Western core that can bring people in. I 
half expect them to. Um, and I think they this is the team that I would... Granted, you're starting from a very low position. Um, it should be more improved, right? I, I, I suspect that Depay coming in, you're going to see some growth. It is going to be capped. But, like, this is a team that should should make some movement based on the moves that they've done. I'll I'll draw a little bit more of a gloomy picture. I think this season's almost over for them, man. Um, you think so? Ooh. Over? We're yeah. only a fourth of the we're a yeah. But of the unfortunately, done. this the system that we've chosen makes it Oof. so that it's very hard for a team to have any competitive success going forward, because the their way into kickoff clash is already like difficult. Not go. I think shock would have to go zero and six. Is, right, is I a, get that. Uh, someone figured it out on Reddit, right? So they're not mm -hmm. going to be in a kickoff clash. Uh, sorry, in right. a, a midseason invitational. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're losing out on another bonus point. Your success mm -hmm. now becomes like winning maybe stage three or uh, that's it. You're unlikely right. to even make it into Countdown Cup. Um, Countdown Cup doesn't have a tournament for what it's Right, worth. but yeah. like into the play ins, I think that's. <laughs> Based on their record, it's hard, especially if you can't get the bonus points from the midseason tournament. Sure. So, sure. I mean, you you could theoretically outperform that. So, in order to make it into the CC planes, Eric's a seventh to tenth. You so you need mm -hmm. to be better than three teams in the Overwatch League in NA. So, they're not going to be I think better. That's than possible. No. That's pretty doable. You don't think I think. So? I feel that's like that's they need to be doable. considerably better, considering everyone else already has a hit start on them, right? Sure, without a doubt, right? Like, um, it is it is tough, but it's I think let's be it's clear. Let's be clear. London three points, Boston right. two points, New York one point, Paris and Vancouver zero points. Those are the teams you're basically. I don't think on. with three more stages to go, I think it is more than possible for Vancouver to overtake three teams. But if these three teams major shit could, for instance, like London could go, go in, uh, into um, mid-season invitational, get a bonus point based on that. Sure. Uprising still possible that they get in, in there. In YXL, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, you can be better than them. I think you can be better than Eternal. I don't mm -hmm. see the next team. I think there's also something to be said about uh, rapid improvements in such a situation. It's unlikely. They're still lacking a second tank. Agreed. I don't know, dude. This is this is real rough. Unless the next meta, they just hit a lucky one, they're on their ass, and this needs to be a two-year project. And that's I still would mark that as a success, and maybe that's where we define that a little bit differently. Where it's like, yeah, it is it is a long shot to see them in play-ins and even performing well in play-ins this season. It's tough, and it's not really at the fault of the players so much as the circumstance and the logistics of like this team entirely um but they are to me again to harken back to the toronto discussion this this feels like a long-term plan right you have you have taken somebody who has a vast amount of experience building developing creating systems in the overwatch league and is you know it is a band-aid fix for this season but this feels like a play for the next you have some pieces here that i'm like oh okay we have shockwave hasn't necessarily had a great season thus far but a great building piece Budget-wise, it would be an interesting discussion to have. But I, I, I see this being successful over the long run, not necessarily immediately so, even though I do think that we will see some Im immediate growth 
immediate within you know a stage or two. What what does the what do the next games look like? Um, let, let's see. So Eric can brought it up. Let me move this. So gladiators straight away. Uh, I mean, obviously gladiators, tough. Houston Outlaws, Atlanta Rain, Dallas Fuel, Shock, Justice, zero points. Now the qu the big question is. Do the, okay, that is a pretty tough schedule. That I think they can get one versus one. Washington, maybe. But do they have the roster quality to compete? Because my biggest worry for Depay is, let's say that he does everything right from mm -hmm. his perspective. Is the roster quality of the team high enough? And, and maybe, because I, I, I really want to give them some benefit of the doubt, because I think the roster quality isn't atrocious. It's actually reasonable. Mm -hmm. Now, it is very front-loaded, because most of that is in your DPS line, of which now you've lost a member, but you did also gain a member. Um, the craziest thing about Vancouver is, contrary to the fans' belief, this is actually not a broke team. This is a team that has actually mm -hmm. been able to afford people. For example, yes. they, have, they could afford D-Pay. Yeah, they yes. could afford D-Pay, just, just to start with. I mean, that, that alone yeah. should tell you a lot about where the Titans stand as far as financials goes. They're not mm -hmm. the they are not the most broke team in the league, and yet they are definitely on the bottom. Um next to a team like that is actually kind of broke. Yeah. Um so at this point, it's like at most I'm looking at a stage where maybe they get two points here. Yeah. Houston seems beatable, Justice Agreed. seems beatable. The rest of it could be pretty fucking hard. Um, because you are playing against the literal top placing teams. Correct. Coming out of kickoff clash. Now that being said, the meta could change. In fact, the meta will change. The meta is going to change, and things could improve for the team. Um, you want to play double hit scan because you have shockwave aspire. I don't know. Sojin could be a really good hero for one of those guys in terms of sniping. There, are, there are definitely opportunities for Vancouver to climb up. Now, I think the real question ends up being: What is a reasonable measurement of success for the Titans moving forward. Because as much as we're talking about like, oh, they're not going to make the mid-season madness, I, I yeah. don't even know if that's a reliable or a fair yeah. metric of success just yet. Because when you are at rock bottom, anything right now is great. Like a win mm -hmm. anywhere, just a single fucking win anywhere is already a major improvement. So is that where we start? Do we just start with one win? Starting with two I, wins? Yeah. Or are we going with something like, let's just see if they can break out of the bottom three by the end of the year so they can make it into play-ins? Would that be a reasonable goal for I the think team? That would just, be a... just to make the play-ins. Nothing further, think... just simply make play-ins. I think that would be a, a good floor, let's say, right? Like, if, if that's, like, first, first like, to do on the goal list, I think that would be fantastic for a team that started abysmal, had to, you know, be agile, signed to pay and they can squeak in play-ins with like a fairly decent performance. They don't just completely get rolled over. It's competitive most of the way through, but just the calibers are different. You move into next season. I think that's a, that's a better start than they've had in a long time, right? Since literally their franchise debut where they signed some of the best players to ever have fucking grace the game and fumble the bag, right? Like that's, that's the start. That's the start of things for the future for the Vancouver Titans. I, th I think controversial. I, think I don't do controversial. I don't think they fumble that too hard. I think people don't understand the internal workings of what went down. This is not going to turn into a sure. what happened on the runaway Titan no. story, uh, because we would need Harsh to come in for that. 
like yeah i mean i i think it's i think people simplify that way too okay. much without considering both sides of that story but that's not what we're here to talk about i'm just saying like you know there's more to the story i agree there's there's definitely more to that story than simply titans fumble everyone assumes titans just like whoop what happened? I just dropped the Titans. Oh, I just dropped the runaway team. I, I, it's, it's a little bit more complicated, guys, but we're not going to get into it today. Um, so to me, a reasonable expectation for this team, expectation is not even the right word, a reasonable goal for the team is simply to be 10th place in North America. Mm. I think that's fine. I think, I think if Depay achieves that, that's okay. Sadly, it's not going to look good for Depay in the midseason madness qualifiers. Yeah, there's those six teams that they're playing against. Four of them do not seem beatable. Yeah, like it's a long shot. You could you could put Rush on this team. I don't know that they're winning those four games versus those four top teams, unless Atlanta fuck around. But then again, Atlanta would never lose to Vancouver. I think Atlanta, even even if they fuck around, they would never, yeah. you know, they would never Tough. jeopardize themselves to lose to Vancouver. I think they're they're. Their pride would dictate that they have to destroy Vancouver in that matchup. So I don't even think that's necessarily winnable. Yeah. Uh, which only leaves Houston and what's the other team again? Houston and Washington. Uh, both yeah, in their own right can be pretty scary teams in the right mm -hmm. time. So, I mean, you get the, ver you get, no, you don't even have to get the version of Washington that played up against um, the Shock. You can get just even a normal version of Washington, I think, is strong enough to beat Vancouver. Same deal with. Houston, to be honest, so you could be looking at a zero and six stage again. It could still be, it could be zero and twelve after two stages, legitimately for this team. Yeah, which is sad, but then it comes down to like a form argument or like an overarching like identity. Like, have have they identified something? Are they are they going the London school of like small budget, you know, Overwatch where they're trying to maximize the pieces that they do have, even though, like you said. You seem to have some kind of budget, so I don't know that maybe even they need to do that. But I selfishly think that would be kind of interesting. Um, there, I think there are ways. I think Depay has a very unique skill set. Um, again, referencing the creativity to be able to try and give this team a, a punching chance at you know, like you said, taking taking this maps team, maybe games off of Justice or Houston. This team is one good Ryan player away from being a reasonably good Ryan team. Yeah. Because they got the pieces there. They got Master. Mm -hmm. And that's it. They got Master. So that's all you need. Um, <laughs> um, now you got the Mirror May as well. No, it's 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 perfectly doable. They're one good Ryan play away from being like, boom, this team Somebody can Somebody phone like, up Gig. Now this team can can lean into the London Yeah, And I guess they want Mickey, right? Hmm? What? Uh, Mikey. Mikey. Mikey, yeah. yeah. I... I didn't never rated him. Okay. Barely remember him. You want, you want me to juice this conversation a little? Go ahead. A bunch okay. of teams are scrimming currently for main tanks, and Mikey is a name that I frequently hear, hear being brought up. Also, mm. who's Mikey? I think he's <laughs> my stupid. Who's Boston? Boston up, yeah, from Boston Uprising. Now, uh, <sighs> collegiate player. Let me. Was it Marvel? Um, hey guys, speaking of Marvel, Marvel is free on the market. True. Um, I don't know if he's a Ryan player. Okay, I'm yeah. just I'm just spitballing. I'm not saying that's no, exactly what. I'm not saying that's the answer to all their problems. I mm -hmm. also think London's one tricking is a little bit 
one note. Like you can definitely, it you is. can definitely fail on that as well. So I, I don't know about, I don't know exactly copying them either. Um, no, but it's the idea rather than of saying, like... rather than saying they're one Ryan player away from being a good team. I think more accurately, what I should have said is they're one good meta shift away from being a better team as well. Mm-hmm. Because you could just get a good off tank meta for false and hope that works for you. Um, all right. How about the rest of this? Sorry? Real quick. <laughs> Eric actually brought up Cloudy. And I remember a uh, tweet mm. from Cloudy that his visa situation is not the worst. So, you know, pre-existing uh, connection. You are one damage Cloudy away from being a good team. <laughs> I'm yeah. not mad at that. That's not a bad move. Again, a Ryan specialist. I'd be interested to see what that looks like. Thing coming is, into do you patch, want but... specialists? Do you want that? No. No, but that's oh, better than what you got. You're not looking for specialists. You're looking for someone that covers the main tank hero pool. That's it. Correct. And I think Cloudy does that reasonably well. Anyway. Um, anything else for the Toronto Defiant? So I think we're all in the in the position where, okay, Flubby and Pew probably outlived, outstay their yeah. welcome yeah. in terms of where those results have been. Um, and that's especially, you know, I think people would maybe make the excuse previously be like oh you know vancouver they're a cheap team you know Flubby and pew's hands are tied but i think we, we can also sit the stage to say that that's not entirely true mm-hmm. when you have the capability to same sign players like shockwave and, and aspire and master uh, we know that's not entirely true yeah. and then you can obviously sign dp as a coach it's like vancouver not a broke team so you know i, I think i think we can definitely land in the position that Flubby and pew probably outstay they're welcome on that team considering the results yes. over a long period of time um this season specifically, to a egregious degree. I mean, they should have just... Vancouver should have probably have parted ways with Bobby and Pew in the offseason and got a new coach in straight away anyway. Yes. Yep. But, yeah. Um, yeah, in that case, D-Pay does have to come in and sort of clean up a little bit and have to has to work with what Flubby and Pew left him with in some ways or what Justin left him with. Um... So here we are. Best of luck, but it's going to be probably still pretty tough for Deep So I think if they do make top 10 by the end of the year, that'll be pretty damn good for the team. That'll already be the start of a a pretty big turnaround for the franchise considering what happened last year. But what I do appreciate is that the franchise is making efforts to change the direction of the team and that they actually do care about results because that's what I care about. I care about teams that care about results and I don't Mm -hmm. want to see teams floundering and fucking around. What is the next topic of drama? <laughs> Harris. Ooh. Ooh, Here we go. One. Harris, uh, not out of the crosshairs again. Although, to be honest, I don't know. Is this like, what is, what is this? This is, this is kind of interesting, but I don't, this is not, this, is this negative? I don't see this as potentially negative. I just think like. Depends on if you're French. <laughs> it is what it is. But my first question, just in case either of you know more. Um, because I I know very limited about this topic. Mm. Is is McCourt still the ownership group for this team, even though they have this Vegas thing going on? Okay. So for those that don't know, there was a rumor and then an official announcement that the Paris Eternal with Paris Legion, which is their Call of Duty team, will be shifting over to Las Vegas for the twenty twenty three season. After there were a bunch of trademark rumors about the eternal trademark not being, um, what is it, renewed, renewed, and then 
a new Vegas Eternal trademark being uh, trademarked by this organization. So, but it is still McCourt, right? Drew McCourt. Yes. Ownership group. I mean, we we haven't heard anything to the contrary. Um, I I think for the CDL team, there were reports that this was looked to be sold. I think it's fair to think that this is also true for the Eternal. Um, that said, you know what the most interesting thing for me was? Mm. That they're already making plans for 2023 and they're going to be here. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's a good thing. Really? We love that. Damn. Oh, Watch League 2023 confirmed. Let's go. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what do we make of this? Because I don't, I, I think Joe's right. You're, this is probably not bad news unless you are French. European, uh, uh, yeah. If, yes, if, you're if, European, so you can speak <laughs> to the Europe side. But to me, surely this is maybe a good thing. I have to imagine again, unless you're European, because well, I don't know, because I'm not American or European. So Joe, you're American. You yeah. can tell me about Las Vegas and its capability to be franchise location, being that Raiders have moved there. True. And, I mean. I would imagine there's a little bit more. I don't even know if that's true, right? I don't know if there is any kind oh, of. It is like, true that Raiders win then. Raiders together. Yes, it is that that is true. That you, that is a fact. That's factual based. Um, but I, I'm looking at it more like: is there more of an interest in esports? I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's true for Overwatch. Maybe that's true in other games in in France and Paris. Um. What well, this, is there a demand, or are they trying to create a demand? Maybe it's maybe it's that it's difficult to kind of wrap my head around because, I mean, yes, there's I think an esports arena there. There's obviously multiple events there. It's open in terms of COVID protocol, so they could do some kind of activation there. I like that. That's a possibility. But for me, this isn't necessarily about Vegas in particular. More so that it's an, a possibility that the league maybe now is giving franchises we've we've heard reports that you know the um the the payment has either been frozen or maybe is possibly even being forgiven in terms of franchise uh slot payments it's definitely just been frozen it's definitely just frozen okay right, so like just, they haven't wiped that clean it's just frozen. i would imagine not um and now you're seeing more flexibility assumedly so from the league side in terms of where these franchises are tied to. Um, I think that it is important to the league to have a franchise tie, like a city-based like identity. But I don't know that it's a huge deal. Again, if you're French, maybe that's not necessarily fair to say. Does, um, but I don't know. Does I like the contact gaming? Does contact gaming have any roots? in vegas Vegas. you guys know contact gaming contact gaming is the i said drew mccourt but technically we should be talking about contact gaming because that's actually the organization Mm -hmm. that like like how like how envy has both Mm -hmm. well they had empire but now they have optic and dallas field and envy um contact gaming is the parent organization of the paris eternal paris legion and also ever and also they play in counter-strike as well under contact gaming Mm mm-hmm <clears throat> so yeah i'll be straight they haven't done the best marketing in the world and no. also their local looks like space station gaming so they have to work on that oh, lovely. but uh contact gaming is rumor courts 
overarching organization. So we'll just talk about it from the aspect of content gaming. Mm-hmm. I don't believe, from what I can gather from my very limited amount of Googling, they don't exactly have huge roots in Vegas, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also going to be straight about this as well. Like When you have an American owner like this, how how much roots do they really have in in France or Europe anyway? Yeah, does that make sense? Like this is this is not like a French owner. No, like it's almost like the C9 Jack story. We're like, yeah, okay, they're the London Spitfire, but the story has gone. Yeah, that but- Jack's priority was to get an LA team, but he couldn't get one, so he settled for an, a London spot. Didn't he? Yeah. And doesn't the McCord family have uh, either own or have ownership in? Um- Olympic Marseille? Wasn't it something like that? Couldn't I? Eric on the case. <sighs> Don't know, didn't care. Won't ask L plus ratio. How about that? Bitch. That's not the podcast for that. <laughs> We're looking at things with granularity how I'm going to drag you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, McCord's Marseille. Re- yeah. But I do think it's very sad for uh, France, obviously. Yeah. However, and Europe generally, because there's only two European teams. But here's the problem. Here, here's the other problem that we have to come back to with the league is that mm-hmm. when we look at city-based franchises, when we look at the fact that we don't currently have longevity in land-based competition, and we're doing mainly online. Mm-hmm. There's it doesn't make any sense to have European teams. Yeah, right now, because they have to be based in NA anyway. Yeah, because they're playing in NA. Yep. Because you can't have a European league because there's only two teams. Yeah, and you can't get more teams right now. Well, you could, but no one's buying, so you're not going to get more teams right now. No. Which means, I mean, shit, you can't. You don't even have buyers for the teams that want to sell. Little or new people coming in for new mm-hmm. franchises. So, yep. you, you're not going to get new teams. Teams based in Europe aren't doing. You can't do anything there. You can't. You can't even be based in Europe. So you you just you might as well have an NA team. Like it actually makes so much sense just to move to Vegas. It fucking blows for Europe, but yeah. Europe ends up being the most underserved major region in Overwatch, and it is fucking sad. But it's just the, it's it ends up being a combination of franchise city based franchises in a COVID era yep. coming together to form. One big clusterfuck of unlucky for Europe. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unlucky, and even though I will say, I feel like SEA would also have liked to have a word with that. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, mm-hmm. like uh, South Southeast Asian region, they never had a franchise. They yeah. never had a franchise. No, no sure, like, but they are still kind of underserved. You know, underserved. Yeah. Do they even have yeah, contenders so, I mean, next year? I. Look, if we want to get into the argument of underserved, then we can also talk about South America. We can also talk sure, about Antarctica. Sure. We could also talk about literally Alaska as well. I don't know. Like, yeah, yes, no, it's absolutely. About interest, right? But for, for about, but for for a re- so I'm not trying to I'm not trying to underplay how underserved. It's not the Olympics of underserving. Yeah. But um, the reason I bring up Europe is because they they did have two franchises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Europe has been yeah. a destination where good Overwatch players have come from in the past. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's slowed down. That's slowed down a lot in recent years. Yeah, but you know, previously, I would have easily have said there were way more good Overwatch League players coming out of Europe than NA. Yeah. Easily, sure. without a doubt. Yeah. Whereas doubt. now, I don't know if that's true anymore. Mm-hmm. That's because of how underserved Europe's been. 
Yep. That's even with contenders. That's even with them being one of the main contenders regions. Yeah. Mm. So absolutely, yeah. Southeast Asia, South America have have had it worst. Have had it worst. But I'm I'm talking about it from a perspective of like where the franchises sure. are and and yep. and what's going on in those regions and other games where LEC is a super competitive region yeah. in League of Legends and Europe has the best Counter Strike players and yeah. probably the best Valorant players as well. Right. So yeah. Yep. In, in that regard, Europe is fucking hella undeserved, underserved. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially... It's, sorry, keep going. Yeah, good. It's, it's not like... This is... It, maybe this is scary to some people. I think this is like a benefit to a lot of teams. Because I can't imagine this is the only team that's like had this on their table. Right? Like, an owner has seen these papers and gone, hmm, do I want to move? And I wouldn't... I wouldn't put it past some of these other teams. Maybe, I, maybe it's not a trademark thing. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more teams interested or already in the process of finalizing that movement. Wouldn't be. That's not shocking to me. Of course, you have you know the obvious one in the Valiant. Why the fuck are they still Los Angeles? It's obvious that like they've they've jumped the shark. They need a rebrand. They need a redesign. All that good stuff. That makes sense. But then you do look, you know, Yiska brings up a good point. You look at London. It's like, they didn't want to be here. I don't know why they're here, but that's what C9 ended up with. Are they going next year? I don't know. All of these teams, all of these teams that most of them are based in NA, but when you look Mm -hmm. at the owners of the teams that are not based in NA, only... Who is it? It would be Shanghai, Guangzhou, Hangzhou, and Chengdu are the only actual non-NA ownership groups. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back in time, let's get in the time machine, Seoul Dynasty, that's Gen G, which used to be KSV, which is Kevin Kevin, Kevin Silicon Valley, Kevin Chow yeah. Silicon Valley. That was the company is is an American, yeah. is an American owner. Um and Philadelphia Fusion, that's that's Comcast, that's Tucker, that's an American owner. Mm-hmm. Even though they're in Korea right now, whatever, the whole T1 thing, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, London, C9, Paris, Content Gaming, Drew McCourt, like, they're actually all American owners, except mm-hmm. for the four Chinese teams. Yep. So... Yeah, I mean, we didn't even we didn't even really have European ownership to start with. No, didn't we have that? It didn't even, didn't even exist. I mean, we and could have Korean had. Teams. I remember a particular drama situation where Fnatic wasn't particularly yeah. happy yeah. with so, how oh, they were. Oh yeah, Sam Sam Matthews. He wanted the London spot. He actually wanted it. Yep. But they gave it yep. to Jack. And, and Fnatic are actually based in Europe. Right. Now, granted, I think Sam Matthews probably dodged a bullet, and he believes he dodged a bullet, and he's probably right on that. <laughs> but um. Yeah, he was keen, and I think I think they would have been good owners as well. They would have been really good owners. Mm. But... Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's looking tough for you. Where do I think we they need a, a revisioning? It's just oh. there's nothing that can be done from an Overwatch yeah. League level until shit is on the up and up, and yes. there's interest in franchising or something changes within the franchising itself. Yeah. Where teams can be part of it. For now, the best thing that can happen for Europe is. Not this year, but next year, contenders and tier two pops the fuck off for them, and it gives yeah. them 
reason to compete and want to compete and for some orgs to rejoin in Europe to compete and for that to be a valid pathway into the Overwatch League or something. I don't know. But if Contenders doesn't pop off in Europe next year, yeah, that um, that region's fucked. That region is totally fucked. Honestly, like, in my mind, and that's based on no information, but I'm like, okay, what if the Valiant actually, like, relocate to China, then then an AS lost is theoretically vacant, which then Spitfire could take up because there are... In LA, anyway, they have their headquarters in LA. They make sense, yeah. No, 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 no. Right around Paris the corner. Are already going to Vegas. Paris are already going to Vegas. In my mind, they take Valiant's in a spot anyway. I don't think they it doesn't have... have to be an LA spot. Uh, I mean, I, I don't you know think I mean? like in terms of in terms of being a North American team is what I'm talking about. Right, but not necessarily out of Los Angeles, but I th- I think yeah, but I think they don't have these hard slots anymore. I think it's just a problem uh, of. I mean, to be fair, calling it the Los Angeles Spitfire is probably also not going to happen just because, like, Spitfire is Why do pretty... we need two LA teams? We don't need two LA teams. Can I be real? We do not need two LA teams. The thing is, like, they in have fact, t- tons of uh, real estate in LA. They have the headquarters there. Why would C9 ever be in any other city? I don't think C9 want to invest more in Overwatch League. I'll be straight. I don't think Jack wants to put any more money in. Maybe that would save them money. I'm not sure. Um, fuck, maybe. I don't know. It, what would save the money is being based in LA and using the facilities of C9. Yeah. And using NA-based players so they don't have to do visa shit. And yep. whatever the cost of rebranding is and just call the LA Spitfire, I don't fucking know. <laughs> maybe. But... Is it what? What's the what's the uh, American fighter chat? Or or they can just do all of that and still be called the London Spitfire. I don't know. Oh no! Drawing a blank. I should know this. I played so, so much Battlefield uh, 1942. Did, Jesus. What do you think? What are you trying to think of? The the right. equivalent. So for the British, it was this uh, Hurricane and the Spitfire, right? The the yeah. airplanes. And then for the American Germans, <laughs> it was the BF-109. Was it a tornado? It might Oh, uh, Maybe. What are we talking about? This sounds irrelevant. This sounds like it we're is. talking about planes at the moment. It yes, we're talking careful. about planes. Yeah. I don't care for planes. Jesus. Planes and trains the and automobiles. Los A- the Los Angeles Boeing 347. I don't know. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Um, cool. So Vegas will get a team. Yes. Europe has less teams. Exactly. Valiant probably rebrand. Because let's let's See scoot ya. over to a side topic. We're getting a side quest here. Instead of going on with the main quest, we're getting a side quest. This is our our um what's that Fast and Furious side movie? What was it good? Hobbs and Shaw. This is our Hobbs and Shaw mm. of uh the TCP podcast. This is how I know Eric doesn't watch Fast and Furious because he said Tokyo Drift. No, that is part of the main franchise. Yep. And I, I am quite an expert in Fast and Furious, I have you know. So, anyway, our Hobson Shaw side quest is the fact that there are more trademark suspensions. Correct. So, Philadelphia Fusion News. Is this, this is off the back of Halo also reporting. Halo had said there had been rumors that a number of teams had been looking into potential relocation. 
Mm. Off the back of that, Philadelphia Fusion News says to expand on this, research has shown that teams of Paris Eternal, Toronto Defiant, Vancouver Titans, Squadron Charge, Los Angeles Valiant all have suspended their trademark. Now, I don't know how much we want to read into that. The Valiant one seems the most likely out of all of them, mm-hmm. but the rest of them, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense. No. Well, the Paris one is provably Paris correct obviously. because that actually did yeah. happen. But, for example, Toronto Defiant are not moving out of Toronto. They may be, you could change the name of Defiant to something else, but you're not moving to, out of Toronto no. when yeah. that's literally the home base of the Defiant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charge. I don't think they move out of Guangzhou either. They they just built a giant fucking facility. Right. They they have infrastructure in Guangzhou, so I don't think they're moving. Maybe just could it be a name change? Maybe the yeah. charge name could go? I don't know. Titans? Who fucking knows? I, I fucking no idea. hope so. I'm so tired of so Where's, Aqu- where's Aquilini? Where's Aquilini based out of? I have no idea. I feel but. like some of those might be, because with CDL, we had a certain amount of leeway given to teams in order to use their old brands right so we have the atlanta phase you know sure yeah is i it, want the vancouver aquilinis or the vancouver luminosities mm, mm. yeah maybe maybe it would even be the vancouver you know uh sports team name uh for defined i think <laughs> we call it canucks i call it no, why did you have to say team. it i wanted him to struggle no i i don't care um literally irrelevant <laughs> to my life toronto could be <laughs> Could be Mad Lions, you know, even though it's more could like be. the Spanish could identity. Be. And now we're bringing Europe back. Maybe you could move to Madrid, <laughs> please save Europe. Um, no, but I, I think a bunch of those will just be <sighs> rebranding of their lame brands. Yeah, Ooh, we're gonna Maybe. have to get a new brand tier list from Yiska. Seems very. That seems very anti what the league franchising was all about, but. You ready for my tier list? Okay. Of what? Of, of uh, what? Of brands. League brands. League brands. Okay. I struggle to have an S tier brand. Is, this is like the side mission of the side mission. <laughs> what is happening here? What's going on? So, like, I'm, make, I'm just making, making him abso- Absolute bottom tier is Fuel, because Jesus Christ, <laughs> why would you name your franchise Fuel? Like, mm-hmm. during an energy crisis. It's not that bad, is it? In Texas, where the clear implication is oil. Like, wh- why not call it Dallas, like, burn the planet, you know? Like, it's just like the connotations <laughs> really? are just suck. Empire was an amazing brand, and I'm sad that it got killed for Optic. And I think the Empire brand was so much better than Fuel. Right. The Dallas Empire, their colors, their logo, everything, that was fucking insane. I loved it. That Empire brand, I, I, think I, I think I like it more than most of any mm. brand in esports altogether. It was just an insanely good, good, cool brand, in my opinion. That's just me, though. And S tier would be NYXL. Oh, we can't say that anymore. Never mind. Go back to the fuel tier. And then, like, everyone else is sort of, like, mid. Mid? So we What's are like in your a situ- favorite? My fa- Soul Dynasty. Okay. Yeah. I like really? the colors. I like the tiger. I think the logos, the logos, a little uninspired. Yeah, just- a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, true. I don't know. Like, it, we don't have good brands. I'm sorry. Like, I, I felt like the defined clothing was kind of okay, but guys, 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 we have Paris Eternal, and their logo 
is a cock with that's in the shape of an infinity symbol. Dude, Actually, that really tilts clever. me by the No, it's nothing about this is clever. Why what has, does etern, eternity and infinity have to do with each other? We're once again uh, at, at an cool. idiot's level of granularity. I'm tilted. You know, it's cool. <laughs> also, Florida has a giant pink M inside of a yeah. giant pink bomb. What does the bomb have to do with anything? Also, like also, I mean, it was trying to do hunters is literally a panda. But it, I mean, it was called. Wait, why are we confused at the main thing? I think the I think the LA Gladiators brand is actually pretty cool. Personally, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it for sure. I think it's. I like the I like the purple. The crest is a little cringe, but not too cringe. Cringe. You yeah. know the most cringe thing. You know the most cringe thing. Well, mm -hmm. LA Gladiators are owned by Kronky, who also own uh, LA Rams, and the LA Rams colors is like baby blue and yellow, which is the colors yeah. that Valiant decided they they take. Mm. So the other Los Angeles teams took the Rams colors, no. even though the Rams are owned by Kronky, who own Gladiators. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny. Cringe. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's get back on. Let's get back on. Let's let's go after Voldemort again. I'm sick of I'm sick of having side missions right. where we, we ignore okay. Voldemort. Okay. Time to go back and look for Voldemort. All right. Yep. Um, is that is that all the drama? Cover all the drama. Uh, is there Molly, not some charge? No, we haven't. No, we haven't. We have we yeah. have Molly left to go. This is where this is the part where if you're waiting to hear about actual kickoff clash, you're like fuck. Now still talking about drama. Um, How is this drama? Is this just a trade? Like, do I not understand I drama? I, can I've we, just, if, if we can just, say that I'm is drama, calling, I'm fine. I'm just calling anything drama. I'm just calling anything drama now. Right. Gets anything and everything excited. is drama. Is that the trick? Um, yeah, drama I got, I got you. I got you for. I got, I got one for you. I got one for you. Dallas lost own for drama. <gasps> um. Okay, so Molly. Right. Molly. Mm -hmm. Molly. 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 Hi, Anna. Thank you. I've never tried it. I was Molly trying to go to you into saying that. No hard. longer on the charge. Yeah. Now, I don't think this is the biggest surprise. And here's a couple of things. One, he's been hard benched for Farway. Farway just joined the team and Molly got hard benched. In an animator, nonetheless, which is probably Molly's signature hero. That tells you a fucking lot about what's going on. Second of all, there had been some conversations some rumors in the background where Molly had shown up in Elsa's, uh, if you remember Elsa from the Chengdu Hunters, Elsa's mm -hmm. co-streams, and he'd been talking about, he'd been some dropping, dropping some tidbits here and there saying stuff like, you know, maybe I should get into this as well. I'm not really playing anymore. I don't know, basically he was giving off the vibe that he wasn't part of the team anymore. Yeah. Right. So seeing this uh, news, not a big surprise. No. Now, is Molly just the unluckiest player? Like, perma-benched on Shanghai, perma-benched on Guangzhou, doesn't even get to play. He's actually rumored for Valiant. He's rumored... Right. Halo had a room for Valiant. Now, I don't mind that because Coldus has been okay, but maybe Molly could be better. And also, Valiant are covering for a double flex meta, so I respect mm. it. But, yep. yeah. How do we feel? Yeah, it doesn't shock me. I think Faraway genuinely was just a more proven, better player. Um, yeah, I, I probably echo a lot of those sentiments. Molly's champion. He does have a ring. He does have a chip, and we all know 
That's what matters most. You got chips? Yeah, I don't know. Valiant seems like an interesting home. Uh, I could see him starting. The only home. At least competing. Yeah. The only home. Where else could he be? Can't Maybe, really go I, anywhere he, else, yeah. Spark, I guess, but I think Irony's been fine. Yeah. And what do you that's, know? I don't know. It's a team to... It would probably just echo a lot of his track record, right? Like, if he went to Spark, it'd probably just be a bench boy and uh, a sub-filler. Yeah, I think Valiant's probably his best bet if he wants to see some play time in the next year and a half. Oh, Valiant got some um, money. They keep, like, their roster keeps climbing in size. Right. Yeah. Speaking of teams that are apparently not broke, I don't know where they're getting money from, but Valiant have money, suddenly. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow. No hill. No hill season. No. He's using Groupon. Apparently, yeah. Looking looking that way. It's, Pushing the best. I mean, I think the criticism around him is fairly valid at this point where he just hasn't played. And it's just like, okay, why aren't teams playing him? They sign him and they just don't play him. What gives? I mean, Shanghai, that's, you know, a hand wave. But what gives? Why is, why is Molly not seeing playtime? I think there is reason to be suspect, but... Oh, I mean, Farway no. could just be better. It, it might not be that complicated. Yeah. Probably Biscuit isn't. Had a take. But... Biscuit had a take. I want to hear it. Am I wrong for caring very little for this? It's like no. Mirror right, going to on. Titans. Moving on. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess that happened. Are you L plus ratio? Yes, good. Yes, good. Yes, good. I don't care. It was on the sheet. That's right. drama that I'm just creating drama by saying who? Megalo? Who? Who Megalo? A guy you still cannot exists. be talking about you cannot be talking about Overwatch League Champion that way. Right. Have some accountability. Um is it time to actually start? I, I don't have more to add to here except that I would like to see what Molly's capable of and maybe he yes. does need a new home because it's, it's not happening on the charge. Um sure. let us talk about finally. The kickoff clash. Kickoff clash. Now, Damn. we're not going to talk about every single game. Mm -hmm. No, Jesus. But let's just go over NA, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you, want a, you want an interesting en entry point? Because I have one. Okay. Who cares about NA? Let's go over towards APAC. Um, <laughs> where the actual real games happen. Okay, so we have we have the Dallas um, live event, which, by the way, looked really fucking cool. Yeah. I, I asked some people on Twitter to, like, send me some video footage of, you know, what the viewing experience was going to be like, because you can't get that online. You, you Obviously, yeah. you get some footage of, like, what the venue looks like, but I wanted to get it. I wanted to get a feel for, like, if I was in the crowd as a fan, yeah. what is my live experience like? So I, I asked a bunch of people to give me video footage, and they did. It looked pretty good. I, I thought it was quite cool. Um. And actually from different areas as well. Like I got um, a photo from Avalo who was in a VIP, uh, mm -hmm. which she paid for. Um, and I don't know why I felt the need to add that. I think just, just in case people assume that. She got like the hookup. She just, she just got a hookup or something. No, oh, yeah. she's, a, she's a legit Overwatch fan who wanted to be there. Um, and yeah, we, we, we had some other footage. Um, I think Ms. Liz also took some footage as well. Cool looking thing. Apparently the food was good. Some of the fans told me the food was actually good. Okay. Nice. Uh, the the tickets were not very expensive. You could buy a single ticket to any of the days or like a weekend pass. I think the weekend pass was $99. Nice. 
which terrible. Joe, you're you're an American. You can tell me if a four day weekend pass for ninety nine dollars general mission. I mean, the issue, the only thing that I can compare it to was like when, and I'm looking to go again, don't, don't put this by me. Don't think like I'm sleeping on this. Um, when I used to go to anime conventions locally, um, the three day weekend pass <laughs> out about of 60 yourself. bucks. I, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast for more than like 30 <laughs> seconds, you, you, you get the gist of who I am as a person for the most part. Um, but, and like, that's, that's only 60. And there's like a lot of stuff to do to see to it's buy. Like, really? It's perfect. Yeah. Why? Are you, what are you doing there for three days? The exact same thing you do at esports events, just bigger. You're watching anime there. You can if you want to. Okay. I wouldn't. It's about like. So what do you around. do there? Honest to God, my ideal, like actually sitting in the food court and just people watching for like. At you least fifty percent of the time. First of all, you can do that at home. Um, speaking eh. of doing things at home, um, actually, you can't unless you have a food court at home or you live at a food court. You actually can't do it at home. But also, you don't. Get I that. feel like am I wrong in that I think anime is a very private activity. It's like not something you want to do publicly. You know, yeah, I like would masturbation. Agree. You don't. You want to do well, that privately. You know, <laughs> um, and honestly, those curious two things just both at the same time. Exclusive. Not mutually exclusive is what I'm. The, the next point. Sure, sure. Point is, the point is, anime just seems like one of those devious activities that you you don't want to you don't want to do in broad daylight. You understand me? Like you, you have to do this in the in the shade of night, in a dark mm. alleyway, or in a, in a man cave. Uh, so I think, I think that's VIP reasonable. ticket was two hundred twenty-nine. VIP. Uh, those were like the tables up front. Yeah. I'm yeah, you get the, the the tables up front. Uh, you you could you could get some signed goodies. Mm. Um. Uh, yes. You know how wild that is to a German. Signed goodies. What's wild? The what prices. anime or signed goodies? Oh, the prices. Well, because they're not in euros; they're in American dollars. Yeah, yeah no, but like a, a, a little touchy. A season I ticket, I think. At my local club when they were still in Bundesliga for the entire season, so all home games was like one fifty, one one forty maybe. Uh, yeah, but is that general admission or is that like a fucking corporate box? That's general admission for season tickets. What? That's I, I mean I can't I don't know any kind of comparison. Let me um, look it up. That seems know, cheap. That seems very reasonable. This isn't, this isn't even like an important talking point. It's just like no, just curious about though. like what what kind of stuff we got going on. Yeah. Um, I, and because these Overwatch events are super fucking rare. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I actually think the two twenty nine. Yeah. Look, if you're a hardcore enough fan, I think two twenty nine seems like I'm a pretty to pay good, for it. People work pretty cool, like for a good seat for four yeah. days. I'll take that. Um, aside from that though. The actual games, the actual the fact that we had proper LAN, true, very cool stuff, and it's not one of those LAN events where one of the teams isn't there. Yeah, uh, everybody was there. Thankfully, no one got COVID in the middle of the event. Mm -hmm. And I mean, did this go how we thought it was going to go? Let's let's clear up where our prids went oh, first of all, because no. this is where I get to brag about printing gladiators correctly, but this is also where <sighs> I get to lament about the fact that I failed to print them in my pickums. Mm. So it's I because we bullied you. 
we bullied huh? you into picking glads because joe and i were like both like ah maybe glads maybe glads and then we didn't because we're such cowards yeah i don't i, I think we define bullying very differently sir german I'll take it. I'll take that because now I get to pretend like I knew the entire time. <laughs> I really wanted you know, to. Fuck. It's like I definitely Should've didn't pick gladiators out of peer pressure. I definitely picked them because I knew, right? Mm. Um, I expected them to be good. I expected them to be really good. I mean, let's talk about surprises here, though, because this is this tournament definitely booms some pickums, mine included, oh, mine sure. especially. Yeah. Just straight away, the fact that Washington go two three versus Shock is yeah, was... pretty hardcore. But and I think Omen. a lot of people. A lot of people thought that Florida would have beat Atlanta. And we even all predicted Florida as well. And I, I specifically remember this episode where I said, mm -hmm. I don't think it's clear for Mayhem. I don't think yeah. this is a clear Mayhem win. Mm -hmm. I said at the time, this seems like a very flipped match where Atlanta could very easily come out and just win this one. Mm -hmm. um, and all the fans, everyone else I knew was predicting, they were like, oh yeah, definitely Florida. And I think a lot of people were blinded by just hatred and disliking of the rain brand and drama speaking of drama mm. um and because of that they they printed against the rain not because they thought they were bad or something maybe because they thought they were bad but mostly because they just didn't like the team um i mean you that's... Know, and because because they lose their last two games they're like oh yeah well you know i guess they can't beat florida but in my mind i'm like i don't think that's I, that's just not the rain I know. The rain I know come back fired up as fuck. And like the fact that rain finish third? Yeah. Or fourth? Yeah. Third. 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 It's not bad at ahead all. Of, it's... Ahead of shock. They yeah. beat shock. They came out ahead of shock. How fucking insane is that? Mm -hmm. I think that, that, that woke people the fuck up. That woke some people up in terms of like mm -hmm. hating on the rain, but then they still come third. I think we specifically talked about this in terms of like a market correction. And the funny thing is, the way we talked about it, uh, I, I still recall, Avril, it's like we said there will be a market correction in terms of Atlanta. It's probably just too soon to expect that of them, but it will eventually come. I think that's something that you said. Um, and then we also all said like... So they're all shock. Shock, exactly, is, is in for a market correction as well, where six and zero is probably not up to the level that we would expect them to play at, right? Yeah. So both of these events happened in one match, seemingly, and then, of course, also in the follow-up where um, Shock got stomped by Dallas. So, yeah, I feel like it's not necessarily, like, all doomsday scenarios for Shock, but that was a no. necessary, like, reset of expectations that we had to have because I think it was always, like... That's the reason why we we thought like Dallas might still be the best team in North America and whatnot, right? At the same time, I will say, like the reasons as to why Glads won this, we already also mentioned uh, last episode, and I have to not take credit here, but like I I talked to Christopher about this, and he predicted pretty much the outcome as to how this would transpire, mm -hmm. um, and it. A major part in this tournament was, once again, and unfortunately, Florida wasn't able to uh, take advantage of that too much, but main tank flexibility. Or tank flexibility, right? And I feel like a lot of this was about that, and teams that couldn't deliver that had some problems, even though what I definitely didn't predict was um, Doom to come back to 
to the degree that we saw it. Well, you know why? It's because of all the teams playing Ryan. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put a bit of a a doorstop in that uh, flexibility conversation because, yes, flexibility, sure, in a vacuum, but I think it's a little bit more of a nuanced conversation because when we talk about tank flexibility, I'm not talking about, like, oh, yeah, play, like, all these different tanks and play both off-tank and main tank, which I think is ideal. You do want to do that. Someone Mm. and Smurf, I think, are the two most flexible tanks, even though this is really annoying Reddit narrative right now, and um, most of them are annoying, but this one in particular where it's just like, oh, man, Reiner Rookie of the Year because he's, like, the most flexible player. First of all, Reiner is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And absolutely is in the rookie of the year candidacy conversation, hundred percent. Yeah. However, saying it's because he's flexible, bullshit. That's weird, fucking man. bullshit. Doesn't play off tanks. Hasn't shown. Hasn't shown. As soon as off tanks become irrelevant, irrelevant, space comes in Reiner's bench. Yeah. Promise you that. Promise you. We already see that. We already see it on escort. You go to most escort maps. Well, sorry. You go to Circle Royale primarily. Space comes in. Hmm. If Zarya is hard meta for, when I say hard meta, because she was hard meta in, in a way, but when I say hard meta, I mean like you have to play Zarya where you lose. Legit, yeah. Um, who do you think the Zarya player is going to be? Reiner or Space? Space. So, it's not, I'm not trying to dunk on Reiner because I think he's a really good player who's definitely in that rookie of the year conversation is deservingly so. But the mm-hmm. reason that he's in there is not because he's quote unquote flexible. All you need to do in this meta to succeed is have two out of these three heroes and you'll be there. One of those two heroes has to be a Winston. If you have that, you're good to go. Your next hero needs to be either a Zarya or a Ryan. That's it. Yep. Doom, optional. Don't even need the Doom. Completely irrelevant. Extra uh, well, it's not completely irrelevant, but it's not required. You don't need a Doom. What you do need, I think, is a Winston and then one of Zarya or Ryan or both if you're really good, if you're Smurf. Um, but it's a provable fact. It's a proven and provable fact that both someone and Smurf are more flexible tank players than Reiner. So, but stop circle jerking this Reiner flexibility shit, and acknowledge that he is a good tank that deserves to be the rookie of the conversation. But not because he's quote unquote flexible. That's just complete bullshit. Um, he is. He's flexible in the sense that he plays all the main tanks. But great, you've done the bare minimum of what a main tank should do, which is play all your mm-hmm. heroes. So I, I don't think that's worth. That's not a cause for celebration. Wow, this guy plays the heroes he's expected to play. Oh my goodness. Everyone clap. Um, you know. Oh my god, he plays the heroes expected of him. Wow. Yeah, it's um, it's a dose of recency bias. They won, so it's like, oh, all the team, all the players on the team that won, they get, you know, a big plus good. one he's, to the community. He is he good. Nobody's saying he's good. Not. He won nope. because he's good, but it's not because he fucking had some legal pelican Reiner. like flex yeah. got like the fuck is that about shut the fuck up it's not true yeah. um my man gets instantly benched for space as soon as off tanks are relevant so let's talk about the fact that how does the meta go because we you had this conversation with christopher yeska which i think is really interesting mm-hmm. um and i had i had very similar thoughts because i remember you know i came in on the on the on the grand finals day we were watching a discord and like man christopher christopher you know he's a genius he knew all this i'm like yeah i mean i could have also just told you that if you asked me and I, you know, I think I explained at the time, but I'll explain again. It's like this entire meta comes down to um, kind of a rock, paper, scissors scenario. Not heavily so. Yeah. But in a minor kind of way, there is a rock, paper, scissors scenario where 
Um, the Zarya comp, not Zarya herself, but Zarya compositions do a good job of punishing Winston or giving Winston a negative matchup. Mm. The reason for that is because Zarya heavily enables Reaper, and Reaper then punishes the Winston. However, the Rhine then punishes the Zarya compositions because it is difficult for the Zarya to brawl up against a hero with a massive HP pool with a lot of shield and a lot of HP. And honestly, in, a, in melee combat, has potentially higher damage output as well. And, if, and in, in this meta, a much scarier ultimate than a grab. Uh, a grab is much lower value than a shatter in this current meta. Um, so when you think about what Zarya is, she is a brawl tank. She is a tank that plays on the ground, that rushes into you with a Lucio, and is a pseudo Rhine, but not really a Rhine. So if you want to play real brawl, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of brawling against another team on the ground, a Rhine is going to be better in that brawl than Zarya is. So Rhine has a better matchup into Zarya, but then Rhine kind of gets countered by Dive. Now, I'm about to bring in a fourth equation to the rock, paper, scissors. So we're no longer really necessarily in rock, paper, scissors. Or I could just do, I could, to make this analogy easier, I will combine Winston and Doom into like one hero here mm -hmm. and just call it Dive. So Zarya kind of beats Dive because of Reaper. Ryan beats Zarya because of Brawl versus Brawl, quote unquote, mirror match. It's not exactly a mirror matchup, but it's a mirror matchup that favors the Ryan because they both play the same style, but the Ryan is just better in that matchup compared to Zarya. And then you have the Dive beating the brawl because the dive is it's faster it flanks it covers the areas that uh, the rhine can't the rhine simply can't hold shields in 360 directions um struggles to gap close even with the new charge struggles to gap close struggles to take height struggles to do anything meaningful against heroes that are out of his range which dive is very good at outranging the rhine and then when they do engage the rhine they multi-angle him, they flank him, and actually it's not even about killing the Rhine, it's not about dealing with the Rhine in their matchup, it's about having easy access to the backline, where the Rhine can't cover all angles to protect that backline, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, it is map dependent as well, it's not, it's not even just a clear rock, paper, scissors, it's not, I don't think it's like, oh, if you play this, you 100% you lose to this, it's just that, no. what gives you a better matchup, what gives you a worse matchup, yeah, so yeah. it's a favorability thing. And then map map design, map terrain, map geometry uh, adds to favorability of all the, of those matchups as well. So that's what I'm saying. As long as you can play two things in there, you're covered. So if you are Reiner and you play both Winston and Ryan, you're great. The Doom is really helpful as well because against teams that want to match you in Ryan versus Ryan, like Atlanta, you can bring out the Doom. So um, to that degree, really what we got is we have a rock, paper, scissors matchup where Reiner has the correct counter at all times. Mm -hmm. But he still didn't play any off tanks. Doesn't need to play any off tanks here. Nope. But he didn't play any off tanks. So he's flexible in the sense that he he, he had the, all the correct counters within the main tank pool required in the space of a single player. That's what was good about Reiner. Did Dallas misplay then by not counting on, uh, like maybe already earlier on Fearless Winston Ryan? Um, I don't know. Seems I like think the... Dallas. I think Dallas believed the Zarya was going to be flexible enough just to beat everything, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think they did not expect the Ryan to be as good of a counter as they did, or maybe they had hoped that other teams wouldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, 
Dallas probably put all their eggs in the wrong basket, yes. But my expectation for a player like Harmon is that he should have also brought out the Doom. Because I know he's got yeah. Doom. I know that's in his airball. So if Rhino wants to counter you with the wins with the with the Ryan, you should think about Doom. However, this is the concession I'm willing to make. So that being the case, why did Harmon not run as much Doom or at all? Because to enable the Doom composition, you have to swap so many heroes that it fucks with your team comp. Because you have to get off the Reaper. Yeah. If you go Doom, you need you probably need either Genji Soldier or Genji Tracer or Soldier Tracer. Yeah. So you need to change it up. So it's really about the inflexibility on the DPS picks then for Dallas. That no, 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 no. Even if you swap, you are losing two ultimates. You're, you're, you're having to change right. too much. Think about it. If you... How do I put this? To be honest... There's a counter. The counter argument I would have is that, and here's where I'm arguing against myself a little bit, is that the the Brian brawl based composition, if they would have changed, would also have to make some big changes. But the one thing that you'll notice about the way the Galads played was that Shu was not playing Bab. Mm -hmm. He's playing Anna. Yeah. Big reason for that. You do not want to lock yourself into a heavy Ryan brawl comp that relies on Bab. Normal Ryan brawl comps rely on Bab. Mm -hmm. Really good hero in that matchup. But because he was permanently playing the Anna and not the Bap, it makes it more difficult for Harmon just to swap Doom when Anna does counter Doom. And also, it means that if Harmon does swap Doom and Reiner's not comfortable in that matchup anymore, Reiner can just go Winston or some shit, and he can he can go a different hero, and the Anna is still relevant. And what what DPS were they on? I think they were on May Soldier, or is it May Tracer maybe? Uh, who now? The Dallas or Glads? Glads. Um, they they played May plus something. May plus one, right? It was May plus one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that changed. So, a little, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, as long as they can, yeah. I guess I guess they would still have to change two heroes as well. But it's really important that they play the Anna in that matchup. Yeah. So I still think maybe Dallas could have attempted the the brought the the Doom more to try and mm -hmm. play up against the Rhine. But that never really happened. Also, map design again enters a conversation where, let's say, for example, Route 66 C point. Yeah. Not a great position for Doom. So even if you were like, oh, Ryan is playing Ryan, should I go the Doom to counter? The map geometry doesn't favor the Doom, even if the character 1v1 in a vacuum does. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's that difficulty as well. So because Harmon doesn't bring out the Ryan or whatever, or he can't play the Ryan as well, Dallas are hard forced into. Zari only comp, and this is the part where you, when you look at what the conversations were behind the scenes, or even publicly from the Glads, the Glads camp, was that, yeah, I mean, all the other teams, including Dallas, are just way too inflexible, and we are a far more flexible team, and that's completely true because they can play multiple different comps. Um, Dallas can't. Seoul as well, same reason. Seoul play multiple different comps, mm -hmm. and for that reason, I think they were way more capable of bringing out different looks to get the best look possible. And they can, even better, Smurf can do it all. They can do it all in one person instead of having to split between both Space and Reiner. But yeah, that's my sort of I, macro analysis on Glads. I think the one thing that I would add to what Christopher said is that he, as far as I can remember, he didn't see the Doom comp as a counter. It was like a 50-50 matchup. Into the right map dependent, yeah. map dependent, yeah, 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 for sure. Because, because I think, like, stylistically, to 
discussions that Avril and I have had, I think, on the show previous, like, it makes perfect sense as to why the Doom would actually pair well into the Rhine. There are just some maps in particular that, like, really favor that that Rhine comp and, and make it very difficult to kind of surround to to be able to engage. So it's it, it's one of those interesting ones that I think we need more time to to see over so, the course of the season and like you said it's it's very map dependent as much as christopher says that rewind back to houston london and you will see perfectly why the doom plays well into the rhine mm-hmm. so as much as christopher may, may believe that it, it is it is and, and maybe that's because christopher and london had had more lessons learned after yeah. losing to houston after progressing through but that houston london matchup is a is an excellent case study to back my point of where Doom's place was in the meta. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, like, that's why I think a lot of people were surprised maybe that Houston won that matchup. But to me, it was fucking obvious. It was like either Houston 3 0 or get 0 3 And mm-hmm. really just comes down to what Dante plays if he's available. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Christopher would probably say that they misplayed big time uh, in that matchup. But I recall that as well. But right. I'm yeah. not 100%. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but I will say like and this is it's a weird discussion to have but like okay. I feel like it's it was a little it was a little sad and maybe like not the type of discourse that I would have liked to have had. It's like and Atlanta players and coaches mocked it also to a decent degree. It's like I understand the cult of personality around Anta. But you got to give some credit to Face, but also Smash, yep. right? Sure, sure. Like, I remember, like, Errol, you specifically pointed out Smash as, like, a brain behind, um, like, Auto Blast in, in the past. Uh, hmm. Like, Face has, has been in an assistant coach position for the Gladiators, now in a head coach position, first tournament ever, wins it. And to hmm. not see their names mentioned much at all is something that I didn't like specifically because the historical through lines in how this match or how these matches were won, for instance, let's say, draw the the line between like, you know, face and Padipan, right? And that like in Talon, blah, 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 says best player in the world, down the line, three years later, he gets the kid makes him once again, or makes him an Overwatch League champion at the first uh, situation. That's a storyline that I would have liked to have seen highlighted, not only, and I understand also why, and I'm certainly set myself guilty of also, uh, not guilty, I did both. But like, funny mullet man, haha, but also uh, very smart, like, bald man, uh, praise. And I felt like the second part was not highlighted. Full, full optics. Served, yeah. The most egregious thing I read, which is, it shouldn't have been, but it just like, for people like us that probably look at it in a more of a nuanced way, this one comment that was like, oh yeah, Unta made Patapan good. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that comment mean? Are you in, are you in the coaching sessions? How the fuck? That's nuts. Where did you get that from? Like, you're just making that up now. I'm not saying Unta didn't. But no, like, I'm the, sure he played the a role. Com- the level of confidence Redditors have in these yeah. takes is just like, 
what are you basing this off? It's like mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's all it's optics. You're scared. All it is is optics. It's like Hunter's the most front facing person mm-hmm. on that team. Yep. Also, yep. wasn't Lanta as well. Um, and so yeah, that's a double edged sword. It's it's both good and bad because it means you're going to get more credit for wins. You probably will get more flack for losing as well. Sure. But mm-hmm. although that, even that being said, Hunter didn't get any flack for when Atlanta were losing because for some reason, the Reddit narrative was that Atlanta only joined the team after they stopped losing or whatever, or he made them yeah. good was, was the narrative. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though Hunter's come out and he's debunked that narrative personally. Um, all the Atlanta player tweets were funny as well because they they all played into that yeah mm-hmm. debunked narrative because they're like oh man Hunter is everything on that team like they, they were like oh dude Gladi is one only because of Hunter it was like just yeah. just tweets in that vein yeah. where it's just like they're just feeding into the classic reddit takes right like that's those yeah. all the classic reddit takes that you probably end up seeing but yeah look I really appreciate Deepay coming out and congratulating congratulating sure. his old team mm-hmm. and his ex-assistant coach on his first coaching head coach outing. And Deepay even said, like, you know, coach of the year, maybe face first sure. tournament as head coach instant win. Um Gladiators looking like they were filled with different looks and strategies and different ways to handle the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent read on the meta in terms of how they handled it. And outplayed Rush in a meta where Dallas have usually been front runners and dictating metas. I think that's a huge plus for the coaching staff of Glads to have sort of outplayed Rush in you know in getting the most out of metas and deciphering mm-hmm. metas and all that kind of stuff that's huge from a coaching perspective so yeah the rest of the coaches on Glads definitely deserve a bit more respect than they've been given but Agreed. Face is just a, not a very front facing person and Smash oh. Smash as a Korean coach on an English speaking team like he's not gonna be that front facing either obviously um even Krusty, like he's probably the most front-facing Korean coach, mm-hmm. but he's he's got a lot more comfortable in terms of his own English ability, being on the shock. Um, I would even say that's that's probably an outlier, right? Most Korean coaches mm-hmm. on Western teams are not going to be that front-facing. Yep. So, yeah. Um, look, it's great for Hunter. He's my friend, and he deserves all the recognition. But uh, yeah, definitely Face deserves some recognition as well because the the kind of... Again, Reddit level takes I saw when Deepay left the team yeah. and Face was promoted, and all the all the the some of the takes are just like, who's this Face guy? Like, oh, why'd they get this guy to be the head coach? All this kind of bullshit. Like, some of the people who didn't even know he was the assistant coach and just assumed things. It's like, man, do some fucking research. Come on, guys, you, you gotta do better than that. Mm-hmm. That's just disappointing. It's really like faces uh, to Deepay what uh, Deku is to All Might. Because if you think about it, um, All Might has smashes. That way he has to put his shoulder into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, elbow grease. And Face has the legs because he runs marathons. Mm. Oof. Marathon Face, look at you. You're crazy. I would at least last six hours at an anime convention. You would probably enjoy your time. I think that's definitely one of my bucket lists is to to get you drunk at a at an anime convention because you what is have a, have a time because we still have to talk about APEC. Yes. Uh, what was what were some of the biggest surprises in the NA side of the bracket? 
outside of uh, outside of I don't know if you want to talk more about Dallas, but we've kind of covered Gladiators Dallas a little bit here. Yeah, um, I don't know if there were any other surprises in terms of teams maybe defying getting pushed out as far as quickly as they did. Maybe Washington looking reasonable against Shock before kind of getting pushed out themselves. Maybe Atlanta coming third would have been a big surprise, but even though we kind of covered yeah. it, I don't think that it really shouldn't be a huge surprise, but it is to people that don't understand Atlanta and that just dislike them because of brand reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta be Shock, right? As surprising? You said, yeah. you said they were due for... No, but like so the, in way, the way in which they did it, you know? Like, sure. they, they barely get past Justice. Probably shouldn't have. Then they lose to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, like, that game also in most universes goes to game five between Houston and uh, Shock, right? Okay. So, overall, like, yeah, it's not an atrocious performance here. It's also not one you would expect, for instance, like, a 6-0 possible title contender team to have. Sure. Because sure. they didn't look competitive against Dallas, right? I don't know. But I... Well, here's the problem. If you're Kaluj, you either run the Winston into Edison's Reaper, or you run Zarya into Hanbin Zarya. Those are options. Doesn't play Ryan. If you played Ryan, could be a different story. Doesn't play Ryan. You have no favorable matchup versus Dallas. You either get countered by their Reaper, or you get... Unfortunately, you you are worse Zarya than Hanbin. Mm. Although, to be fair, that's not the worst thing in the world. I think every Zari is the worst Zari compared to Harbin, sure, so yeah. it is mm. what it is, you know? No one no one was going to win that versus him. Yeah. Um, Hawk tried, credit to him, he tried, but couldn't get it done. Um, that, by the way, is also potentially an issue with Atlanta, being that they banked everything on Hawk and his hero pool is Zarya Doom, yep. when, I, unironically, banking on Gator would have been better for this tournament, but I don't think they have the scrim time with Gator, and I don't think they have the... Yep. Um, yeah. You know, I I don't think they practice enough with Gator to make that happen. Even though, if Gator literally playing only Winston and Ryan, kind of just copying Reiner could have probably have done it. But Atlanta needed to bet on that horse far earlier to make that happen. So hindsight, you know, hindsight twenty twenty. So would, right yeah, one. it would be nice. Um, shock in general um, felt felt suspect outside of like proper, just like doing what he does you know being being the dream eater um it didn't seem like that second dps slot was necessarily always like online if that makes sense i think sam coming in (sighs) drew a lot of community feedback or uh outrage let's say um i think people wanted to just see more kilo i think collusion in general has been very like skittish um, not in terms of skill, but just in terms of play style with the Ryan shock felt very measured. And I don't think they necessarily played all that well. Like it, it was, it was a little slow. It was a little passive. And I think teams really took advantage of that. Um, and then, yeah, like I think the only reason why they got this far is, is genuinely, and I don't say this lightly because of proper, like that's just the kind of, which by the is. way, which by the way, and this is, this is to address all the, Weird, knee-jerk, incredibly recency-biased people out there who are like, oh, proper loss, therefore no longer Rookie of the Year. Oh, um, Glad's won. Okay, Patapan Rookie of the Year. It's like, 
you motherfuckers like two yeah. weeks ago were saying Padapan was like the worst player in the league. Yeah. And now you're knee jerking the opposite direction. Like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, Padapan, by the way, props to him. I fucking love that kid. So mm-hmm. proud of him. But some of the reactions are so weird. It's just like, man, you, you guys were shitting on this guy hardcore not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And now you're sucking his nuts. Like, let's just, what you guys are some of the most flip floppy mofos in the world. I swear to God. Um, bunch of weirdos. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we've really got a, a tour de force display of like a bunch of different rookies. Yeah. Padapan coming in looking fucking Good. amazing. I think, I think the moment I was like, oh, glads, there's no way they lose the series was Route 66, B point, Padapan's on high ground. Yep. beaming everybody mm, down yeah and no one in dallas could even look at him because they couldn't address him at all and in that moment i was like yeah dallas lose they simply lose he just I got to one. yep um he's playing so PvE. the fact that proper by the way dragged his team kicking his stream screaming as far as he did mm. really speaks to his ability as well yep. um and just because he loses to dallas doesn't invalidate uh, his claim to any awards or anything all. like the kid is still unbelievably good Anybody that can turn the tide of a game single-handedly and just force their will upon the game is a, on a different level. Yep. Um, so is it the Dorado against Justice? Yeah, I think that was it. Like that first point, like the 3K into like two crazy like headshot flicks. Like, I kids nuts. I did wish we got to see the San Francisco versus Dallas game easier. I think yeah. it would have been more competitive pre-tournament, but in tournament as Shock have less answers to the, the Zarya and Dallas are only improving on the Zarya. Yeah, I mean, Shock getting blasted out. When you look at what the hero pools of the players were and what the matchups that Shock could play under, they weren't going to get a positive matchup there. Yeah. And versus a team like Dallas, you need a positive matchup. I guarantee you, by the way, had Gladiators played only Zarya and tried to just play Zarya Mirror into Dallas, mm-hmm. Dallas probably come out on top. Dallas yeah, probably end up being the kickoff clash champions. Yep. This is why you got to credit the Dallas coaching quite heavily because they figured out the proper counter. They they figured out how to work around the Zarya problem, and the answer was not okay. Let's just put the space on Zarya and hope for the best. Yeah. That was never going to be your answer. Your answer is like we need to find valuable counters and, and viable ways to beat Dallas um, because we're not going to be able to match Harbin. You simply can't. The guy's a fucking demon, and you have to work around him. You can't go through him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That being said, I think Harmon's claim, this is the other thing, this, this other knee-jerk claim as well, people like, people were, were heavy on this MVP Harmon train, which by the way, I started, and then, and then they just jump off because he loses. I'm like, guys, yeah. you guys are like, uh, you- you're some fair weather MF is up out there. I swear to God, some jump. real fair weather MF is. Yeah. Just, guys, Jesus Christ. These are the kind of people that would dump stocks like the minute it dips oh, down by yeah. one cent. Yeah, <laughs> terrible investors. I will say, uh, I thought it was going to happen. I think Hanbin played like Ryan for like two minutes or something, and I was like, "Oh my god, like, does oh he god, really god, have one, dude? Up. Does he really have a Ryan as well? He's the best player to ever do it. What is going on?" And then they switched off. I mean, speaking of that, like best player to ever do it like that that energy right i want to capture the energy not necessarily the definitive you know vocabulary but the energy i think it would be remiss if we don't talk about pelican right that 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 immortalized crazy push comeback hold that 
I think does a great job of encapsulating why we need live events, why we need people back in arenas, why we need butts and seats, because stuff Pelican, like that in Overwatch one of the best players in the world. The best player in Houston. Let's go. Yeah, like this is that that's a special moment. I think Uber and, and the casters and everybody in the community is definitely celebrated as much. Um, but I don't think that's the end of what we see in Overwatch 2. I think this is only the start of like these crazy plays. It's a game that does yeah. facilitate this. We need we need this. As cool as that play was, it was fucking amazing. Talk about the Hanzo yeah. like, final fight thing. Yeah. Awesome. The only thing that's uncool about that are the people using that as evidence to say that, oh, push is fine. Look, you can come back and yes. push. Yes. Uh. Yeah. When, when one of the best fucking players in the world yeah. somebody has to will enters, it. enters the fucking matrix and rewrites the code, it yes. becomes possible. Yeah. yeah. That, does, that is not equivalent to the average game at all. No. They, you uh, they don't fucks. even understand the argument either. You know, like, then, then someone, by the way, like, you're a champion and I respect you and you're also a little bit loony. But someone went through 74 maps of push that we've played so yeah. far and like tracked all the distances and whatnot. And it came out like, mm. uh, I mean, there were several stats, but it j j basically showed that it is very hard to come back. We all acknowledge that it is very hard to come back from a 99-0 as well on, on uh, control maps. That is not mm -hmm. the point, though. You oh. know? Like, especially, especially like, let's say in an escort map, right? Mm. Like, if a team is outmatched, that match ends way quicker than um, than it does on push, right? Like, very rarely, so far, three times only, is a team so outmatched that they get their shit pushed in and this match ends quickly, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with this mode is that I'm looking at a 60-meter difference and now, like, because they, the best way to assure victory is not to push that to the end, but instead to always go back, win a fight, go back, win a fight, go back, for the winning team, you are now torturing people for five minutes. Bro, had... Um, which game was it? Was it... It was... Wait. wait. Which was the game where it was actually pushed in this weekend? Was it Dallas uh, Atlanta? Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was Dallas Atlanta, yeah. I they... They had a hundred. They had over a hundred meters. Right, one hundred fourteen meters with still, I think, five minutes left. Five, five minutes yeah. or so. This game is over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then. Yep. Also, the worst thing that can happen for you, and you are all like, "Oh, mm. there are so many puck moments." No, there aren't that many. They're like three yeah. moments this far this season. You know what moment do does happen? A Dallas being humiliated in front of their crowd, sitting there like. Yeah, I guess like this is now ninety-five percent of the cases. It's over. Uh, hopefully, our crowd doesn't know those stats because we lost. Um, fuck. I guess this yeah. is an offline event. Uh, my team's playing here. I know it's losing, and now I have to sit through this for six minutes. Like Correct. this is this is the horseshit that we're talking about because the other game modes, like for instance, an uh, um an escort map or like a um hybrid map. You would just not cap the point, get the extra time, and therefore the thing would end. Like, there's two ways you can can get rid of this. Either you make it very easy to just push your shit in and make mm -hmm. it the best strategy to do that, which very likely means you have to change map, map archetype to an unreasonable degree, making it right. essentially a new game mode. Or, mm -hmm. like, 
the, the you have like a, a way to like after maybe maybe the game time shrinks down after someone pushed past a point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you lock in first point. Therefore, the team that wins uh, has blocked I, in I first point. Solution. Substracts two hour, two minutes from the clock or something. Or or you or you cap first point. The map ends. <laughs> Straight up. No, I'm not joking. Yeah. I'm not joking. But you play best of three. So the the mm. biggest problem is what you said. The game doesn't end when one team is effectively won. In every other game mode, the game just fucking ends. Yeah. If I if my team is way fucking better than your team and we hundred zeroed you on a control map, it's over. Yeah. We're not there torturing the fans for another four fucking minutes. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. In push, you get like a, a 60, 70 meter difference on the other team, but there's still like four minutes, five minutes left on the clock. And, you know, even if you wanted to push to the end and finish the map, it's too fucking hard. Yeah. So you, so it just never happens. And before somebody says, well, Dallas just did it. It's like, bro, one time out of fucking how many? Yeah, we had three, three. I think there's three, there's three total in all of NA. Yeah. So don't give me that shit. Don't it's start like with that shit. It doesn't matches, happen. Yeah. It does not happen. Yeah. So majority of the games where a good team plays a bad team on push four minutes to five minutes of the game is fucking pointless literally a waste of time yes um Um, i pulled up these stats just to you know embolden your guys's points um first fight on coliseo uh upwards of 50 percent. that seems to be pretty reasonable what's interesting is new queen street is hot like mid to high 50s second fight it's well both maps are both within like the high 60s uh, if you cap it's three fights in, correct capping cap, cap first cap is where like things get ridiculous. Where no. if you cap the first checkpoint on New Queen Street, you are nearing ninety percent win rate. Now, if you go by distance by map, which is kind of interesting because New Queen Street seems to be the problem child, like more often than not. Um, I can explain why, but anyway, sure. Uh, just to lay out the numbers before you do. Uh, 15 meters already puts you at a 60% win rate on New Queen Street, just as a whole. Um, and if you go to Avro's kind of trademark 60 meters, both maps are well within the 80 to 90% win rate. This has gotten to a point where wow. it is infringing on like the viewing experience that like you know this is over. It's not good. You think so, but there's still people out there trying to argue against it, and sure. I'm just like, yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. Um. I am proud of the fact that, like, I think first week of beta, I acknowledged the 60 meters was about the mark. And that's just from all my team, my time watching our scrims and alpha on, on these maps. Mm. Um, I, I'd basically sit that. I, I'm glad the stats back it up, but in my mind, it was like between 60 and 80 is the, is the, is the zone of, of win. Like, you just win if you're in there. And you'll notice as well, in the, in the Soul versus Philly cast for that new Queen Street map, I specifically made it a point to acknowledge during the cast so that the people at the home know this they know to look out for this but if soul cap the checkpoint soul win said that yep. cannot allow soul to cap this checkpoint if philly want any chance of winning they must at all cost prevent soul from capping the checkpoint the saddest part was as soon as soul capped the checkpoint it was over i knew it was over mm-hmm. achilles probably knew it was over too because i i complain about this mode enough that he he, he understands my complaints very clearly Mm-hmm. we still have to cast another three minutes of, of course, bullshit yeah. <laughs> where i'm like i just have to find different ways of telling the audience actually guys it's, it's over. over it's actually yeah. it's kind of actually over i'm sorry but like yeah soul cap the checkpoint is actually done I, I i don't know how to do this anymore sorry mm-hmm. 
So, but I, you know, I'm, I'm an Oscar award-winning actor, so I just, I just pretended it wasn't over. Um, so, yeah. So let's let's finish up this talk, and then we can actually get into APAC because we're already leaning into it anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So the fact that we end map four on push is so fucking gross. Um, because and even seven. looking back at this, oh, I don't even go yeah. there. But actually, yeah. absolutely the worst. Um, because you can look at this, this Glad's VOD back. When did they cap? Mm-hmm. They capped with about three, hard to fucking tell because it's black lettering on purple. They capped with about three-ish minutes left. And at that point, Grand Finals is over. Yeah. And if you're anyone that knows anything about push, it's the most anticlimactic thing in the world because at that point, just fucking get out of your seat and hand the trophy over. There's actually yeah. no point playing anymore. Yeah. Um, it's actually ridiculous that we are, that the game mode requires you play out of the rest when the team is clearly won. I think um, the immediate feedback that I would like to see the league implement is the removal of double push weeks and the readjusting of push into the first two maps yes. being played in a series. You cannot have a series end on push yeah. as it stands now. I think Agreed. I think we'd all agree with that for the most part. Avril, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. A seri- I think, I, think I, 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 will be, I will be submitting that feedback as well to not have the push. It can't be map three, four, five, six, or seven. Period. The end. You cannot have a series have the potential to end on push as it the currently only, stands. The only problem is the only problem is with that is if you play the rest of the season where push is map four and then you suddenly change it to map two, it's weird, right? Like you have to have it a is. standard when it comes it in. Is. So they I would know. have to change the standard entirely to always guarantee push be map two, which I'm. Look, okay if that prevents that. us from finishing on that map, yes. I'm probably okay with that too. Yeah. And just leave it alone. Um, no, no more double push weeks. No more random. Yeah. Fu- it just makes more of an irritating viewing experience, knowing damn well that a team in two minutes caps the point. I can just go watch something else. Is that what you want? Is that what the league wants? Because with if so, like, you're on track like, to do that. With like eighty to ninety percent accuracy. Yes. By the way, in prediction. Yes. Just because I just because I know there's going to be that one dickhead that's like, oh, but but this team made a comeback. Yeah, like yeah. one team out of fucking correct. You are seventy different tries. That one. I'm wow, a- wow. A Pelican did it one time. Wow, guys, I fucking pack it up, pack it up, fellas. Arguments done. Pelican did it one time. Wow. Congrats. And and that's what should elevate that play more because of how difficult it is to traverse there, hit all those shots, get the resources. Everything had to align to make that play work. It's not some common occurrence like Avril and Yusuke have been talking about. This has to change. It's it's like it's so weird to see people go like oh it's assault we're attacking point B the attacking team one player died the fight is over you shouldn't even be using ultimates okay that's frustrating okay that sucks for six minutes because you have absolutely no chance park park new game mode so good like how is how is assault not clearly the better option of the two given those circumstances you know. At least the ending sure. is like exciting on assault. The ending, the yeah, problem it's is always the ending. exciting. I'd I'd much rather have like five minutes of bullshit, but then the ending be really good on assault versus what we get on push, where like it's it seems even, and then the ending is complete bullshit. Yeah, and just pointless. Yeah. Like that that nothing kills hype more than a push ending. The only exciting push endings are from close games, and people use the arguments like, yeah, but we've had good push games. Yeah, but those are the games where neither team caps a checkpoint and neither team gets more than like fucking 50 or 60 yeah. meters yeah. if we keep the entire push map under 60 meters on both sides it's a fucking amazing game yeah promise you yep. anything beyond that complete shit show utter shit show <laughs> yeah so yeah 
It's yeah, also, don't get me started. <laughs> it's uh, I get it's human nature to like be able to recall the nice events and quickly forget the like fucked up ones, but man, it, it's, not it's not helpful. It's not helpful in this situation. Bias. Let's talk about APAC now. I think uh, we're yeah, good for that. We have our have our uh, little push discussion there. More and more people starting to become aware of push. Yeah. Um, there's still some mathematical stuff I could get into, but I'm not going to be bothered here because uh, we're sure. going to wrap up APAC and then I can use the bathroom. Sure. So speaking about pissing, Hangzhou Spark, Jesus Christ, what happened here? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my guy. Oof. What a transition, huh? Uh, what a transition. Well done. Well on done. fire. Um, Joe, you're a Joe guy. You're a Joe guy. You can talk yeah. about Spark. I um, wish I was. Yeah. Joe what about he, that Alpha Yi? Where that Alpha Yi? Yeah. Huh? He, Listen, he, he was still he good. Was he was still fine. good. He was okay. He was fine. Yeah. Was he first part pick uh, rookie of the year? Uh, rookie? However, however, so. however, here's the problem. They played him on Tracer a lot. Yes. He's got a good Tracer, but it's not his signature hero. No. I'm surprised they put him on so much Tracer when his yeah. Genji was clearly what carried. Yeah. Now, I think Spark will also do for market correction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, did they get corrected fucking fast? <laughs> yeah. To be honest yeah. with you, it probably shouldn't surprise because no, when you look back at the Philly Spark series, not the one that got played in the in the in the bracket, but the one that got played during the season, the qualifier, yeah. it seemed like Philly was probably the better team. They just, you know, dropped more spaghetti, and Spark probably shouldn't have yes. won, but they did because they were more clutch. Yeah. So that being the case, probably not that surprising that Philly came back and won. Then you consider that Seoul were the best team that tournament won the finals. Probably not a surprise that they fucking destroyed the Spark. So yes. on one hand, it's surprising that Spark looks so bad. On the other hand, maybe not so much. I don't know. Maybe it's not that surprising. The team I'm yeah. most surprised about is Shanghai. Yeah. Okay. Dude. Did anyone else have any Spark conversation before we move on? I, I wanted to pick your brain on that Midtown Spark Philly uh, first match, I think, of APAC. Like... Should that not just have been like a 3-0 Philly? I feel like they just botched Down. that rush comp. I have them midtown. Did they not play like a bunch of sim shit and just kind of like were really slow to like getting to the point and actually mm. like trying to push any kind of advantage like compositionally? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bellasria midtown. Yeah. yeah it look, felt I don't like think a Fusion. Bit of a toss. I don't think Fusion are practiced on Ryan at all. No. They're not practiced on Ryan. And they do weird things on Midtown when they could just be yeah. playing dive. Here's yeah. the problem. Here's the problem. They played Fury against Chengdu. They lost. And I think that mm-hmm. scared them. And they're like, okay, we can't do that again. So we're going to do something else. Yeah. And then they realize, well, we can't play Winston into Zarya. Let's just play Ryan. Oh, we don't know how to play Ryan. Fuck. Is basically what happened. Yeah. Their Midtown seemed pretty suspect. Because that was like, oh. But if it wasn't for that, if that wasn't for that, they would have 3 0 yeah. 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 It felt like. It should have been a 3-0. Um, That's pretty much all my takeaways the there. Next team on the docket. Third place <laughs> team. Would you believe this team came third place? Shanghai Dragons. Now, Shanghai Sorry. Dragons have been on the up and up. Yeah. They've been on the major up and up. However, they were still dealing with, you know, lockdown issues, internet mm-hmm. issues. I know it sounds like excuses, but they're also kind of valid. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. What a banger of a rivalry, by the way. Shanghai versus Seoul. Fuck me, those games were amazing. Yes. The, the game that I'm more surprised by is the Philly one. How? The, what the hell happened? They just got 0-3 by Philly. Is that not just a forum thing? Like, I hate, I hate just leaning on that. But like that Shanghai, if you remove the nameplates again, like this is this is like a foolproof way to like I think test your eye. 
you remove the nameplates in the Shanghai Philly game and the Shanghai Seoul game, I don't know that you think the team playing in those is the same exact team, right? Like the common denominator here being Shanghai, they don't look the same. Is it, did you kind of take the same thing they from that, Avril? Way, they looked way worse in the series than they did against Seoul. Right. Against exactly. Seoul, they looked like gods. And even when Seoul beat them, Shanghai still looked good. Yeah. But against Fusion, yeah. I was like, is this Spark again? Like, who the fuck am I watching? Yeah. yeah. The amount of mistakes was... they were making, the bullshit they were doing, I'm like, my god, the the, the fucking fate feed on Eichenwald. Oh, yeah. dude, like, what is going on? Like, they it's were a just. breakdown of communication. Everything that could go wrong. Everything that yeah. could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Philly didn't deserve to win and go to the finals, no. but, bro, Shanghai did not play their best game. Not even close. This was like. Not even 50% Shanghai from what I could tell, which is like, you know, sounds like I'm not giving Philly due credit. And I'm try I really am trying to, but you have to understand Shanghai played like shit. Yeah, yeah. There was this one angry Philly fan, you know, which is, I think, the, the standard position, uh, their default position is to be angry or, or mm. sad. One of them, one of them was like, man, this cast is so negative. Why, why, why do they keep <laughs> just talking? Why do they just keep? They're not talking about how Philly's winning. They just keep talking about how Shanghai's losing. I'm like, yeah, if you knew, if you understood Overwatch a little bit better than you currently do, you would fucking see that Shanghai Dragons are playing like dog shit. Yeah, and that they are causing their own losses. If you understood that concept, you understand why I would be talking about Shanghai making mistakes. Like, I'm a big fan of like reframing things and rewording things, like coming from like card games. Let's let's reframe the Shanghai Philly game, right? Let's 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 marquee this as the former world champions losing to a team of mostly rookies. Which do you think narratively dictates the pace? A, the former world champions that should be leading this game. Not even that. It's not, or but like rookies. just just to the fans or be the yeah. rookies. Hmm, I don't know. It's maybe the, the maybe the, the chips. Position, the position I will always come from is what do I think is actually happening? What is the truth? Right, I will exactly. do my best job to ascertain the truth and nothing else. Right. That was going to be my prime directive, and I will do that as much as I can. Ascertain the truth. Mm -hmm. Is the truth that Philly are just a much better team than Dragons? No, that's not the truth. Yeah. Is it the truth that Dragons are playing like fucking awful right now? Yeah, that is the truth. Therefore, I'm going to speak the truth. Sorry, that's what it's going to be. Is there... Okay, let, let's... I'm coming at it probabilistically, right? This is not the first 3-0 that Philly had against the, uh, Shanghai this season, right? I believe it's three in a row now. No. It's one from the end of last season, two from this season. I believe yeah. Philly are currently sitting at 9-0 in map record versus <laughs> over, Shanghai. Shanghai. over the last three games. Which is nuts, That's right? So but is there, okay, at least at this stage, is there an two argument to, Philly as well. to be mm -hmm. made that Philly does something that makes Shanghai play shit, even though it's not nothing intentional, but it could be like play style differences, how they play into each other. Do you think that's something? This could be the case. I think Car I think Carpe Carpe writes Shibol in the group chat in the in the in the uh, in the all chat, and then he Bad dips shot. after map one, and then for yeah. the rest of the series, Shanghai's angry and tilted. Hits him with a quick little BM and dips. Yeah. Uh, she both smells curious, and that's it. That's Carpe secret <laughs> with it. Um, I don't. It's hard to say because Shanghai. Look, the first game, the first series this year. Mm. Obviously, Shanghai. Shanghai traditionally have always played poorly yeah. in the opening game or two. Understandable, but this one they had no excuse because Shanghai just got off beating Seoul in one of the most hype best of fives I've ever seen. So fucking cool how they beat 
the Seoul Dynasty, and Seoul were playing well. Both teams were playing really good. Yeah. Um, the problem I have is that once you've displayed that you have the capability to play that well, you cannot come into the next yeah. match and just shit the bed the way you do. Agreed. Yeah. And maybe for some teams, like I think people will be like, well, what about Washington? They do that all the time. We're like, well, that's different. But Shanghai's Shanghai's a world championship team. Yeah. It's a much yeah. more it's much higher expectations, it's much I, I expect a level of consistency and skill mm. where once they once you display a level of skill, I expect that every single game that Shanghai play from then onwards is at least eighty percent of that level at yeah. all times. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's also to a degree, I feel this way about Philly as well. They're also very on and off and have been this entire stage, seemingly, right? Like, sometimes they just look, like, incredible. And Zest is, like, the best player on the server until MN3 mm -hmm. logs on, and then he's the best player on the server. And it's like, they do shit just by their sheer amount of skill that shouldn't work, just because they're this good. And then they get into the next game, it's just underwhelming, and they get stomped, right? Like Also... By the way, and this is this is really important. Um, this is kind of talking about the meta matchups again in terms of Doom, Zarya, Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little annoyed I didn't catch this at the time, and that's because I I didn't wake up early enough to watch the sh the, the Gladiators game uh, before I had a cast on. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't see it. But what happened is Shanghai almost. I don't know if they just copied Glads or whether Moon and Face are just on the same wavelength. But Shanghai did the exact same thing as Glads in their opening game. By playing Rhine on all three of the sub maps of Li Jung. Yeah. Just permanent Rhine. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Glads did, and it worked. Mm -hmm. I think it was versus Dallas. The first time that Glads beat Dallas. Mm -hmm. And so Shanghai, like, fate. Here you go, buddy. You're going to do that. We're just going to copy the Glads. Right. Um, and at the time, I was like, why the fuck would Dragons do this? What a, what a stupid strategy. Why would you run right. Rhine on all three? And then I'm like, oh, okay, I see why Glads did it. Because versus Dallas, where. Harbin's just going to lock the Zarya. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But then you see how Shanghai gets dismantled by it. Fusion of Sorry to Credit Jin. I actually said this in the cast. Credit to Jin for figuring this out as well. But having Balistria coming on that map with the preparation to be like, as soon as you see Ryan, you're going to go Doom. Yeah. Worked out so fucking good for the Fusion. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's where, you know, that's another one of those games where if you just want to see. Where Doom's value is versus the Rhine, you can you can watch the you can watch the Fusion versus Drangai versus Shanghai Dragons, um, Li Jung map, mm -hmm. all three of the sub maps, and you can see Balistria going going Doom and having crazy good value versus Fate. Yeah. So. Yep. There's that. Uh, so yeah, I think Dragons took some risks on their series, and then they threw a bunch as well, and then <laughs> yeah, and then that's that. But you know. Really hype for the rookies. I think it, it speaks well to the fully rookies to be able oh, to beat Shanghai sure. twice like that. That's impressive. This this solidifies them as like I think again, like I'm gonna probably do a pretty piss poor job of like trying to like succinctly reiterate our power rankings, but like the feeling of Philly coming into this season was like a good team, middle of the pack, but it's tough to really compete with some of the top teams in APAC. But this performance in general, and I think this kickoff class showing as a collective has proven, at least to me. That this is a team like fighting for the title most yeah. stages, right? Like this is this is a top tier caliber team. I, I wouldn't doom Philly too hard. I think the fans mm -hmm. doom pretty hard for this team or any version of Philly to be honest with you. 
I mean, it is but, a very pretty narrative to be like, oh my God, the Kong line runaway is passed down their curse. Like it's, it's Philly. It's they're the, they're the maidens of silver, the forever bridesmaids. Like it is very cool to like, I love, up. I love that Philly made the finals just for that. Cause I remember saying yeah. like, yeah, of course, of course Philly want to beat Dragon to hell. <laughs> How else are they going to go to the finals to come second? Like, of course they will win here. Um, and then they did <laughs> yeah. as predicted. So, but I still think this team has a lot of, a lot of potential. A uh, huge amount of potential, so I I would hang on tight. This is one that you want to hodl on, you know. Do not sell stonks. Hodl, hodl this one. Um, it's gonna mean so and, much when they actually get the win. And either coming. and either you know your stonks will come up and rise in value, and you're gonna be happy because Philly will be good and maybe win, or they'll crash and burn. And and either way, I'll be entertained and happy. It doesn't really matter what the result is. Yes. So, so have solace. That either you I'll clap. Either fun. I will. Either, either I will clap for your successes and I'll be happy with you, or I will taste the sweet, salty tears of the Philly fans. And either result is good for me. I'm okay with either result. Can you imagine if they make every finals this year and they just come second? Like, what a honestly, story. Honestly, what a for the, beautiful story. Honestly, for the memes, that would be pretty top tier. Is that not incredible? Like, every single, every single time yes. they come second... The the Philly second place meme on the iceberg gets lower and lower, and I think that's great. We anyway. need that in, in in a weird way. We need those big stories. We like we still talk about Shanghai zero and forty, right? And it is fucking impressive yeah. that somebody does that. But like this is like something that's still positive, but like kind of touches that same like negative point. It's like, here is um, here is um my only concern for Philly moving forward is I expect the Dragons to be leveling the fuck up after okay. this. Because A, they're out of lockdown now. They just came out of lockdown. Shanghai's coming out of lockdown, which means both the quality of life for the players massively improves, but also they can get their better internet connection because internet's been an issue for the team. Mm. Um, both of those things will help them out immensely. So I'm expecting a lot. Actually, the, a good storyline is the fact that Shanghai have been doing as well as they can in, under their current circumstances sure. is pretty amazing. Um. Should we move on to Yes. Soul. Now, this is the part of the podcast where I get absolutely obnoxious. I've been warming up. <laughs> I've done my jumping jacks uh, for the last two minutes. This is where my love coincides. Not only do I love myself for having predicted Soul, <laughs> I also love myself for having believed in profit for five years. Dude, <laughs> The <laughs> it's all about me. Um, yeah. You're the talisman. The Jesus warlock. Christ, this soul team, man. They look fantastic. And Jesus Christ, this prophet, man. Mm -hmm. Dude. Like, we're five years in, this kid is still the best player in the world. Mm -hmm. How? Like, it's it's kind of unheard of. It's kind of unheard of. It is absolutely unheard of. It's it's like this is like in other esports, for instance, like for instance, let's say Forrest in CS, right? Forrest is a player that would at certain times in in CS history just be the best player. You know, one point six certainly had his highs there. Cisco comes around, he looks like an absolute nut job for a while, right? This is like this type of performance where like profit is just up there, man. Where yeah. like 
and you, Avril, you raised a point on, on Twitter that I think is absolutely true. And I think a lot of people were surprised when I said this. Standard, like, standard for my Twitter account, by the way. Continue. <laughs> but like, I think in in season three or something, or maybe season four, we had like a discussion about profit and the goat argument and whatnot. And I said, like, you know what? Profit actually doesn't have the best mechanics. Like, he first and foremost dominates by just having better game understanding, game sense, flexibility, and all of that. He's not like S tier mechanics. It's all over now, man. This kid has been sitting on aim lag lap and he's pounding your your favorite player into the ground. And he's still this smart. And he's still this flexible. This motherfucker played some uh, some fucking uh, Apex Season 4 uh, mm-hmm. uh, matchup there. Once again, on the Genji, on the Tracer, both absolute top tier. They, are, they don't make them like this anymore. No. They it's, don't make DPS plays like this anymore. It's it's all over at this point, man. Like, of course, like it's it's one quarter of the season, right? At the same time, when has this man ever fallen off? Other than like weird matter, like even if you like, in my take it from me, the Stan who will say yeah. this man didn't have a great entrance to Echo. Okay, yeah, I was about he to say, yeah. he sucked a fat one the first time it came down. Bro, this guy goes back into the lab, comes back, yep. top five echo. Yep. He's done it all over his career, man. And five years in, he finds another... T- like, he never was the, the, the deciding factor that made it not happen for his team. This is, a, this is the difference between Profit and Carpe, bro. If the series is tough, it's not... Like, Carpe had pop-off p- performances in, in these series and then lost them. Profit won't allow you if he's on that day. Like, yeah. you cannot be heavy enough for th- for this player to not be able to carry you when he wants to. It's mm. fucking this, this, nuts. By the way, was my, this, by the way, was my argument for leave last year, which is why I was so big on his MVP. Right. Tennessee. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I'm now big on Profit, because he's doing, he's doing that. Exactly. He's doing things that I deem are very important for advocating that you are the best player. Mm. Yep. Yep. Like... Did he deadlift the last map he, against Shanghai? I can't remember. It, it must have been remember. pretty close, just from a feelings point of view. It felt like it. It felt like it. My God, man. And I don't know, like, I, I feel like the framing that I read on Reddit made a lot of sense. I felt like the, the, the argument was Profit made, uh, won the series against Shanghai, so Smurf could win the tournament in, against Philly, where probably, I mean, Profit still had a good series. Smurf just farmed Philly, seemingly, right? Uh, um, and I think we don't need to talk about which was the harder game and the more important game for them to finally overcome their demons. And we saw that in the emotional reaction because, my God, had, had this team... These teams always had, well, like, the most nuts, like, matchups. It's probably the most classical matchup um, in, in Overwatch League at this point. Like, Shanghai Seoul is always going to be a banger, man. And to it's have... It's the El Clasico. It, it is. is the El Clasico it is at now. this point. Like, nothing else comes close in terms of the rivalry. And now that Seoul finally has a title to their name. You can now take them ser- as a serious eye-level uh, rival, especially because Shanghai doesn't seem to have it together, other than when they play against Seoul. And... Right. 
the the thing is also what people need to understand is like you know how impressive it is to win a map five against the, the Shanghai Dragons, bro. This team is not like map fives for this team. Their win rate is absolutely astronomical. And Shanghai nearly won if it wasn't for profit. Yep, <laughs> he they just welded. Bro, I mean, to be fair, like it's it's probably a little bit reductive to just talk about profit because I mean, Fitz, I felt Fitz had a great tournament. Smurf had a great tournament. Um, they all did. They everyone yeah, also had a great well. tournament. Technically speaking, yes. Mm -hmm. Creative certainly. Like I, I was like, mm, is Creative a top tier flex support? No, he is. Ah, when you see him, when you see him sleep nano blading who are you you're like all right this guy's this guy's <laughs> yeah. the kid yeah. this guy's yeah. the kid yeah it's the real when deal you consider, when you by the way consider this three years ago when ryu J. hong did that we'd all jaws to the floor like, oh my god how was that possible that's like the fucking insect kick moment in league of legends like, what the fuck was that that that's the best thing i've ever seen in my life now it's like standard now every single nano blade yeah. is like yo if this anna doesn't sleep the genji i think this anna's bad you know what i'm saying like now yeah. it's so standard yeah mm-hmm but yeah, creative. Well, my point is, it's, but it's still hard to do it. But it's still so hard to do that if you are doing it consistently, you're fucking insane. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, creative makes makes me not miss Jonak. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> good right? take. Good take. Um, and then uh, I, I don't want to. I think like for a rookie performance, Vindam is is had also a really good one. I think there's something to be said about uh, consistency throughout the tournament i think the, that most people would say that i i didn't no actually i i saw a lot of people say he's like the best main support in apex or something um i'm not sure if that's true even though i will say lee J gone is up to his old feedy self seemingly um so maybe but um yeah I no what, what a team they have together and i think like in essence it's just good to see that Prophet finally has some help again, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got a team around him. Yeah. He certainly does. They, they gave him they gave him a two-time back-to-back champion in a tank player as well. Like yeah. holy shit, Toby. Well done. Well fucking done, Toby, for that. Uh, yeah. What a what an insane pickup in the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Krusty is sitting there like fuck super super <laughs> fucked us a little bit here. We probably could have kept Smurf, but we didn't know that Super was gonna retire. Um Damn, if only Krusty had read that Halo report, I must, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, um, no, no, but seriously, like, you know, they, they banked on Super, and maybe they probably they could have gotten Kaluja as well, that's fine, but you only want one main tank. You're not going to keep both Super and Smurf, so they made their choice. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, in, in a way, you can definitely say Shock lets Smurf go, and Soul could not be happier to get Smurf. No. Because... The guy was my MVP. I, I was heavily advocating for Smurf MVP for the finals. Mm -hmm. We got Profit again, which I can't, yeah, I, I don't hate it. But I think Smurf made, I think Smurf was the player of that, of the grand finals. Yeah. However short it was, Smurf, like, fucking dominated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think last map, he was deathless until the last two minutes or something like that. Yeah, and then, even then, he finished the entire new Queen Street map with one death. Yeah, that's nuts. They, ugh, that new Queen Street was rough to watch. Like, I was sad. I was like kind of excited to go like, oh yeah, Philly is like forever silver, blah, 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 blah. And then I reminded myself that you have to end on push and it was an absolute It's impossible slaughter. to cast. It's impossible yeah. to cast when, when you see Soul get like a hundred meters and there's still yes. like two minutes left. You're like, what well, can guys, you say? Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can know, say. Pack it up. Like it's actually done, but there's, no, there's like nothing you can say anymore. 
So. Yeah. I was. I'll ask. Yeah. Let me no. ask you this. Let me ask you to this because this was something that I think dominated the season one narrative was this this search for a, a specific type of player. And I wonder if you two believe we may have found him, right? Right? Oh, this, yeah. This, I, know, I know the one you're talking about. You know the one I'm talking about. Season one from the mainstream non-endemic esports media that kind of had a clue was, who is Overwatch League's faker? Is it Jonak? Let's give him an interview, right? We're five years in. The kid barely misses a beat. Have we not found our faker? Ironically, looking for your faker in the first year is always deemed to be it's a complete so failure. Yeah. When faker when faker didn't arrive until three years oh. in, anyway. yeah. So looking for him in right. year number one is pointless. Um, but yeah, I because we were talking about like you know I think Platcho was talking about as well as like you mm -hmm. know could proper be the have we finally got the faker of watch proper here now? And then I start and I responded yes because like we've been we we've spent so long looking for faker we didn't even realize he was here the whole time. Yeah. He's been here the whole fucking time. We just didn't, we just didn't see it. Mm -hmm. I feel like we did, though. And that's like, like the annoying part to a degree. And like, I, I can link you all the... Like, I had like a GOAT discussion article mm -hmm. like after season four, late season four or something. It annoys me that we always need these moments in time in order to acknowledge people's greatness when you just have to look at the data and the facts that we have presented. And mm -hmm. there are some, like, real, like, I, I struggle for words. Like, it, it's really sad how Prophet's career, for the most part, has been treated, it feels like to me. Because, mm -hmm. once again, and I will never let this die. You can, like, I, I mean, drop dead as far as I care. But I will never not be mad at people giving zero MVP nominations to Prophet in season one. Well, people like Agility Scott 3. I'm sorry. That was always bullshit. He was definitely a better player than Bertring across the entire season. Bertring got more nominations. Grieve got more nominations. That's an absolute like bullshit argument. Shame. Yeah. Last year, I don't think there was a po like there was an argument to like he was not as good as Lip and uh and Leaf. So Leave. I I didn't hate that, but like the lack of personal accolades other than MVP titles in, in matches or grand finals is a serious blemish in how we uh, award talent in this scene. Because, like, if I tell you our greatest player of all time has zero MVP nominations in, in the league, that might confuse some, confuse you, right? Uh. If If I tell you our greatest player of all time has five nominations total over four five years in the Overwatch League four years in the Overwatch League for MVP title at all you're looking at me weird at the same time that is all true it's all true and I feel like we shouldn't need these moments in time where he demonstrates once again that he's sick because he always is just not like maybe the stakes of the match aren't as high or the role that he has to play to in order to accommodate his teammates isn't as flashy. He's just, but Prophet is just, always like this, man. He's just been held back by poor teams that have surrounded him. You know, London season two, Seoul yeah. season three, Seoul season four. Even though Seoul went to the finals, the rest of the season wasn't good, right? Season four, I mean, Seoul were coming up and looking pretty decent, but 
You know, they had to battle Philadelphia for fucking third place while Chengdu and Shanghai slammed everybody. So, yeah, I mean, Seoul, Prophet's just been held back. But on an individual level, I think that's the thing. It's like, this game is difficult for people to assess what is impressive and what is not, especially on, mm. definitely on an individual level. And a lot of people, a lot of fans, will use results to quantify things. And I can't blame them because that's the most quant easily quantifiable mm. thing. True. That's why, like, that's why whenever you talk about goat discussions, everyone everyone looks at titles first. That's the first thing to look at. Yeah, they're not looking at other types of performances, how important this player has been to a particular team, how they performed in terms of their personal output over the years or over different seasons and different metas. Um, and you look at it from a holistic approach. Profit is the clear goat. There simply is no one else in my mind. So, yeah. um, but you have you have to be looking at everyone because otherwise you end up arguing with people who are like. Well, this person or that person has won this and won that, and Prophet has won less than that. It's like, yeah, and Prophet's been on worse fucking teams mm. and still holding up. Like, that that actually should help Prophet, you know, in in, in various ways. But uh, it's just, Overwatch yeah. is just one of those games, man. Where, you know, it's so easy to underrate people and so easy to overrate people as well. Oh, for sure. But Prophet is by far the most underrated slept on criminally robbed player of all time he didn't no role never had a role star before unbelievable that he's yeah never had that a is star. also i forgot about that yeah mm -hmm. that's egregious is what it is yeah. it's fucking egregious yeah yeah and to be fair world star when did it come in season three did we start world stars no it's season two actually remember. because i remember we gave oh, one yeah. two yeah. dps players for gave one Kurt. stage Corey. Yeah. Mm. Uh, season Stage four, baby. He played a mean Hanzo. It's Cassidy, kind of lit. Give give him the award. He, you what know, about that Zarya? Lad though? did it. That lad. That well, don't don't pay attention. To that. <laughs> don't worry about that. Don't you worry. Profit also so, did kind of pound on Zarya. Just saying. Yeah. And that was probably his worst season. That was probably his worst season as well. Unless you count season three. Season three is a weird one because he also kind of popped off towards the end in playoffs. Yeah. I think season three is when the real playoffs profit thing kind of started. Right? Am I wrong? Mm, or is that yeah. also from season one? Because London popped off in playoffs. I don't know. That doesn't even make sense um, to me either. It's um, but yeah, like I think by the time we go to the finals, after seeing a map, I was like, okay, yeah. this is probably going to be quite one-sided, and it doesn't surprise me. But I'm so fucking happy for Seoul, uh, mm -hmm. just in the fact that they're finally proving it. I think I think you need this level of dominance as well. I'm both surprised and also pleased that both uh, both regions had four O finals because I think yeah. the team that won really proved why they deserve to win in, in the most yeah. insane mm -hmm. way possible by diffing the other team as hard as possible and they certainly yep. did do that um would you guys agree i have a take that i think the seoul versus shanghai lower bracket final was the best match of the entire kickoff clash across both regions yes oh yeah it's not close yeah it's by far yep yeah i agree far in a long way if you enjoyed good I might be disappointed that the finals was a 4-0, but sure. in, in reality, I think I'm okay with that because I think the real finals was the Soul Dragons, mm -hmm. and I got to cast that anyway, and so I felt like I got a finals anyway, you know. So I don't, I, I'm not disappointed. Personally, I think, I think we, I think we got our finals. I think we got the Soul Dragons was so good, like that might as well be a finals. Mm -hmm. uh, it was that level of play. Both teams at maximum, you know, full throttle, redlining, and. Clutch after clutch, play after play, both teams went hardcore and soul clutched it out. So credit to them. Yeah. 
It was definitely the highlight. Um, if you haven't seen it, I know obviously NA fans, it's hard to catch those live, but definitely go check the VOD. It's yeah. worth your time, 100%. Some obviously fantastic calls. And yeah, that emotional moment. Yeah. Well, Prophet talked about it after the game. Like it's been so long since they've been able to get it over the line versus Shanghai. And to do so, like, at the like you you talk about redlining this kid was blowing gaskets trying to get this over the line like and that's not like because soul was dragging him behind he was just playing out of his fucking head casket like this kid was popping off it was nuts it was um, like literally one of like vintage profit vintage apex season four i'm a swap genji because i played it once and i think i'm cracked at it and i'm feeling myself and i'm feeling my flow and the kid looks nuts. The kid's nuts. I don't know. I'm I'm over this. Over oh, looking for Faker. Who's our goat? It's clear. It, it's it's clear. It's been clear. It's it's Rob also the 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 fact is now the last the last competitors for longevity, like for instance mm -hmm. Void, and to a degree sure. Fake uh, Flatter, they are dropping like flies, man. Like they definitely have noticeable performance decreases, have they not? Or they're not they're benched, you know? Like playtime has to be evaluated in in the equation. Profit ha I believe Profit is the record holder for most matches played if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, did he Jonah, not hit Jonah 600? Jonak is, is I think. Still? I don't know if still, but the thing is Jonak only retired for the season, right? Mm -hmm. He played every other season and he's never he's never not been a starter all four seasons he's played. Right. Yeah, it might be maps played then, because I don't think Prophet set out too many matches, but maps for sure. I'm um, pretty sure Jonek has a 100% playtime mm -hmm. for maps. Yeah, and he's never missed season, map season one. Wait, I, he's never been benched. Yeah, I believe that official Owl Stats Twitter. I think he was the first player to hit 600 maps, and then I think was it last season or two seasons ago he hit 10k final blows. And, and just by the way, and this is crazy now. This is this is an interesting Eric thought experiment. Probably the last. Last last topic, by the way, uh, mm. we'll make this one quick. Is it's profit? Yeah. Would Soul be Would Soul be even better if Jonak was here? Because Creative is playing out of his mind, but Jonak was still really good on NYXL last year. Yeah, and I still think Jonak would have been a fucking monster this meta as well. Easily. So would would if you had Smurf, Profit, and Jonak on the same team? I mean, at that point, you just just give the, the season's over, right? Like, is, is there anything more to say, or like what? It, I think. If I had a if like ideal scenarios, I think you have creative and Jonak, which correct me if I'm wrong in the preseason that may. Have well, I'm just saying if who, who who's who be either starting, or right? okay. If Jonak yeah, is I, here, he'd be starting. And, and uh, I think theory, creative is agreed. I I do think Jonak would still be starting. I think creative has been um, fairly underrated. I think he has yeah. been genuinely a a top tier flex support in the region, even globally. Um, but Jonak is kind of built a little differently, like is a playmaker, can have some clutch performances, has a signature pick that like not too many people can like measure him on. Um, yeah, Jonak is is a By little way, hard to measure against. This team still has fucking Stalker on the bench. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just pull that one whenever you feel like it. I know he's mm -hmm. had one map, but it wasn't great. But that's when that's when Soul was figuring shit out and Fitz was playing Sombra. Yeah. So we'll forget about the early games. I mean, now that we've <laughs> settled down a little yes. bit and Dragons have real not Dragons Dynasty have realized what they're supposed to be playing. You know, we're mm -hmm. past that. Also, just hypothetically, tell me like this season. Just imagine this season. Jesha gets another contract. 
tell me profit wouldn't have put been put on Zarya duty. Looked like pretty good, but not, you know, like Stella because or, or actually like a top performer on Zarya, not the best. But once again, would have right. been forced off his role. So, the Dynasty would have flexed around that. Stalker fits play the entire time. And then uh, Dynasty never goes anywhere. And then everyone's like, oh, is he really the good blah, 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 blah. That, that's the yeah, he, multiverse we're living in, right? By his team again. He gets held back by the team slash gesture. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well. Now he has Actually, Smurf. We're not and, in that multiverse. Yeah. Smurf also has Desaria, so now finally, Jesus Christ, he doesn't like now. Prof is actually able to focus on his picks and yep. like hone the mechanics and whatnot, and ha doesn't have to flex around people and spend his time in sort of queue grinding like fucking Brig. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Last question before we head out. Uh, not a full topic, so I didn't technically lie. Really quickly, minimal okay. explanation. We're not going to do a power ranking. But who do you have in a best of seven in kickoff clash meta? Glads versus Soul, Oof. hypothetically. Okay, that's tough. I, I I think I think it's Soul. I think it has to be Soul. But man, yeah, I I, I would probably cry seeing Kevster play against Prophet right about now. That'd be a good one. That's 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 the dream midseason final on land. Woof! That brings heat. Rhino against Smurf. Strangely, strangely, I lean Glads because I think yeah. the roster depth helps them more. Mm. I, I want to pick like Soul that. because I think Soul's height. I think Soul's peaks are higher. For example, mm -hmm. I I think Smurf's a better tank player than Rhino. I still think Rhino's good, but I think Smurf's sure. a better tank player than Rhino. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Fuck, this sounds crazy, but I think Vin Dame is at least as good as Funny Astro. Oh. Legitimately, okay. I think Vin, Dame's, Vin Dame has been a monster. An actual fucking monster. And then Prophet, I think, is the best player on both teams. No yeah. takebacks. Mm -hmm. I know all the NA fans will be salty that I said Prophet yeah. and not Kevster, but it's just my opinion. What about Patty against Fitz? I, um... <sighs> Oh, I make it, yeah, yeah, that's an odd one. It's hard because I, I don't think it's necessarily like a fair comparison in a vacuum because yeah, yeah, no. while Soul will only, uh, I shouldn't say only, will likely only play Fitz, Glads will play Ans. Yeah, I think Ans outperforms in a sniper capacity. Yeah. Otherwise, you look at a lot of those escort like metagames, Glads look difficult to handle. I think I think Glads can do some really funky stuff that puts Soul in a weird position. Mm. For example, the, the the Sigma double sniper, double flex support with skewed and shoot at the same time is something that soldiers can't do. Yeah, uh, and Soul would have to figure out a way around that rather than just beat it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm saying, like, I think flexibility-wise, there's just certain things that Glads can do that Soul can't. Mm. But I think in a general game. When we don't talk about substitutions as much, Smurf is, in my opinion, easily way more flexible than Reiner and also just a better player than Reiner. And then, you know, I feel like that shouldn't be a hot take. Smurf's a fucking two-time champion. Reiner's a rookie. Come on, guys. You don't, yeah. mm -hmm. No one should be upset about that comment. That's a fucking based-as-fuck comment. It's a gimme. Yeah. <laughs> cold, that's an ice-cold, zero-degree comment. <laughs> okay? Smurf is better than Reiner. Literal fucking two-time champion. Shut up. Reiner might be rookie of the year candidate, but don't give me that shit, all right? Have you seen Slow his back shit, though? 
Yeah. Huh? Have you seen uh, Rhino's back shape though? Shut up. That's 0.75. Your red gar scale <laughs> is what? His back shape, his rounded back. Yiska had a Yiska had a tweet back kind shape. of memeing on Reiner for his his hunch, his posture being pretty right. poor, and he tried to. It's just a game of hunch. It is it is gamer back, but he's now re measuring it based on a professional Valorant player who has comically bad posture called Redgar. <laughs> right. And to be fair, that was suggested by a Discord member, but yeah, it was. I looked at the back guys. and. Reiner replied saying like 20 frames later I was uh, I had my hands uh, my head in my hands just because I was so bored and I think that was the was it the Atlanta series <laughs> I'm not sure probably <laughs> man that just to be clear I'm, I'm fighting the fans who are like nutting right. way too hard over Reiner rather than Reiner himself I think Reiner is great yeah. Yeah. Joe where did you land in this matchup uh, in the glad soul head to head um it is tough it is tough i see a lot of like value from glad steps like you said um i don't know that they drop us like i think if you play a best of 100 and you just look at escort i really wonder if glads wins a lot of those for a lot of those same reasons that you mentioned like the double sniper the double flex like they have a very different look to those escort maps than soul can kind of you know, I, I do wonder there. Control feels very tight. I think push feels tight. Um, but in terms of like performance and style, as it stands now, I don't know that Glad's Ryan comp really matters, right? Like, yes, it mattered into the Dallas, like then that that triangle and that rock, paper, scissors. It was very valuable in the Dallas head to head. But I don't know that Soul needs it. I think this is a dive mirror match. And when you look at who sits across the table from you, you look at Smurf, you look at Profit. Creative has been fantastic. It's tough to tough to argue against Soul I, right here. I, I guarantee you it is a dive mirror match as well. Why? Yeah. Because they want to play Reiner and they would rather play Reiner than Space. The only way it's not a dive mirror is if Space plays. And if Reiner decides to go Rhin, they will get out dived. They were just gonna yes. get dived. Like Prophet's gonna fucking farm your backline if you decide to do that. So yep. yeah. And here's the other problem is like you I think there's a lot of people overrating Rhine. Right, not the players, yes. what well, they're yes. definitely the player, but also the the comp, the Rhine mm -hmm. comp. People are hard overrating it because, because they're leaning into the Charty meme and they're leaning into Atlanta losing to London and Glad's using Ryan versus Atlanta as well. And it's like, yep. guys, Ryan is not the fucking meta. Ryan no. is the third best hero in the Zarya Winston <laughs> Ryan triangle. Yeah. But he is, because he's consistently good versus Zarya, he has a place. That's the only thing he does. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for his matchup versus Zarya, Ryan would not be fucking relevant. Mm -hmm. You get fucking abused like don't on every use, other. Don't don't use London's wins versus other mediocre teams as evidence yeah. that Ryan is good. Don't don't go there. So, agreed. Team should anyway. know how to beat against us. This has been this this archetype has been in the game since beta. So you should know. Better. Anyway, two thirty eight. We are done. We'll come back next time next week for the preview. Yeah. Um, as we head back into the season, APAC is delayed by a week. Yep. Is what it is. And uh, lots to look forward to for the mid-season madness. We might talk about the patch as well. As uh, mm. Will there be more beta news by the next recording? There should be. I think it's after the beta news is, thing, isn't it? Uh, no, I think it's, it's literally after. Thursday, no? The day yeah, after. The day after. Yeah. 
the day oh, wow. after. And but we will have some meta information because, True. as far as I'm aware, the uh, new patch is live on correct the mm. tournament realm uh, since Monday. We'll, we'll talk about something related to the beta next week. Yes. But anyway, thanks for hanging out, fellas. Two thirty-eight, popping out. See ya. All right.